0: Rise and shine, Mr. Freeman, rise and shine.
1: Welcome, welcome to the very first episode of Mouse and Joystick. We are recording this currently on March 26, 2016. Everything we mentioned will be relevant up to that day. I am your host, Kyle, and with me are my co-hosts, Noah and Michael. How are you guys doing today?
2: I'm doing all right. Pretty good
1: today. Good to hear, good to hear. For those who are wondering who we are and what we do, the purpose of this podcast is going to be kind of A monthly recap of all relevant gaming news and news about game technology from the past month. We also, every once in a while, give our first impressions or reviews about new releases or just whatever we've been playing or replaying. We're playing a lot of games all the time, so there's always something to talk about, share our experiences with you. If you're into that, I hope you guys stick around because you're in for a good time. Uh, We are a part of the Podcast Empire Network, of which I am a founding member of hosts other podcasts like the channel on Batman and Lords of Film. So if you're familiar with those, would be kind of familiar of how this is gonna go. Um so th- I think the first thing we're gonna really do is try to let you guys know a little bit more about us. So we have a, a couple questions here that we're gonna answer to give you an idea of like where we first got our start in gaming or what our preferences usually are. So I'll start off by asking you, Noah, like, what is gaming to you and, like, how does it affect you? Like, what's appealing to, how does it appeal to you that other mediums can't?
2: All right. So, um, this, the appeal of gaming kind of developed over me uh, over course course of the last couple of years because I started out... Um, a pretty young kid with an original xbox just playing it because i thought it was cool um, entertained me kept me you know focused for a couple of hours uh a couple of days a week um and then as i got older kind of got more into it It became a huge or a bigger part of my life and i realized it was more of a social thing for me so i kind of like playing with one or two or a group of my friends so we can interact with these, these uh, tools and games that we can uh, either make it more fun or just just uh just having a good time with friends
1: absolutely that's what i really like about gaming that well maybe movies can kind of do it but for the most part those are something you can definitely enjoy very much as a solo experience but like a co gaming and a co-op is something very unique you can only get in gaming i feel like
2: right you get a little bit more feedback than just watching a movie together because you actually input get input and output so.
1: I'm going to ask you that same question Michael like what what is gaming to you and why is it so appealing as you know compared to movies or books or something
3: like that Uh gaming is definitely like a getaway to me and it's just an easy way um to get away from everything you the normal life you live and uh it's a nice way to uh be able to forget uh, all the stress of, of the day that you have, and it's a lot of fun uh, in, in the meantime, and it's really easy to just pick up a game or start in the middle of nowhere or just pick up a, a new game that um, you've never played before. Um, and I really like, uh, as Noah said, to uh, have friends to play along with, and it's, it's a lot different than... Uh, Movies and TV and stuff because you can. You you can talk to your friends. You can talk to your friends about movies and stuff and TV, but you can't like, I don't know, get the same experience out of it as you can a game when you're playing with them.
1: Absolutely, I know the. For me, when I think about gaming, what it means to me, like how it differs, is just the whole level of interactivity that is in it. Like, every action you perform goes to, like, advance what you're doing. You're not just, like, sitting back and just kind of watching things unfold. You're, you're actually the one causing things to happen, especially in single-player games, like, even in multiplayer games. Like, nothing happens without you doing something to affect it. I mean, in, in books, you know, like, you're just kind of reading stuff that happens. You're not actually influencing what happens Same thing in TV shows or movies. Like, you have a direct effect on what happens. I feel like, I yeah. think great.
3: and like the story, uh, for e- videos, uh, TV and movies and stuff, you, it, you can interact with each other, but uh, within games, like you're going through, the same, you're going through the same story as people, uh, and it's so much, it's so much different than just watching a movie,
1: right? And, yeah, like, for some people, even though they're experiencing the same story. Will come off differently because they're maybe looking at it from a different perspective because they're somewhere else in the game when they experience a certain thing. That's just how I feel about that. Um, moving on to another question I have. I'll I'll answer this one myself. First, uh question being what is the first game that you can remember playing? Like, and did that have the the effect of hooking you on gaming, or is it something that happened later? I know for me personally, the first game I can remember playing was actually the original Donkey Kong Country for SNES. I I remember playing that because my grandparents actually had an SNES set up in the family room for all the grandchildren. So I I'd, I'd go on there and I'd watch like my cousins and my brothers play Donkey Kong Country, and I jump in every time, once in a while to play, and that game was just like incredible to me. Because it was like the first game I had like, really played myself because I, I knew about like Pawn and those other arcade games before that. But that was the first one I really remember playing for myself and just going through and being like, oh, my God, this, there's all these cool characters in here. There's like platform mechanic where you're just jumping around and you, you're you affecting all this stuff. You're killing bad guys. It was awesome. Uh, how, how about you guys? Like, Michael, do you remember what the first game you played was?
3: I'm pretty sure the first game I ever played was uh, Super Smash Bros. '64 on the Nintendo '64, <laughs> or or Gauntlet Legends on Nintendo '64. I'm not sure which one.
2: Gauntlet Legends. So I remember that. It
3: was a long time ago, but Nintendo I, Super Mario. I mean, Super Smash Bros. '64. I also played Super Mario '64, but Smash Bros. was like definitely the first thing that got me hooked on gaming especially like multiplayer gaming because like i was the only one with a nintendo 64 in my neighborhood so all my friends would come over and we would have like um four person uh free for all and fight each other and it'd be, it was just hours and hours of um so much fun and i remember that's definitely what got me hooked on multiplayer and fighting type games
1: I Remember having then... my mind blown when I got to the first section of the game where you unlock a secret character. Oh, yeah, I can't yeah. remember who, who it was like, was it Luigi or something?
3: I think it was uh, not uh, Kirby Jigglypuff,
1: Jigglypuff, yeah, Jigglypuff. yeah. You're yeah. you just like going through the, the single player missions or whatever, and then all of a sudden it's like you have been challenged by a random character. I'm like, oh, who's this? Wait a minute says, where's Jigglypuff in the game? I'm so confused. But it was awesome. And then, and w- once you beat her, you will knock her to play for the rest of the game.
3: Yeah. And then there was Ness. I think that was the kid's name. Yeah, the the kid of the. And then older. Captain Falcon, and I don't remember the last one. Mr. Game and Watch. Uh,
1: he in '64. Was that brawl or sure. melee? I can't remember which
3: one it was. In. <laughs> it's been a long
2: think... time.
1: Here, let me he just think. I think he
2: came in later.
3: Might have been later. I... Then, Gauntlet Legends definitely got me hooked on like single-player games, single-player with co-op because <laughs> I say, <can't> <laughs> yeah, we had to we had to beat that game together, had
2: to because we didn't have the memory card, so we had to beat it in one playthrough.
1: <laughs> How many alternators did you have in Gauntlet Legends?
2: Um. Oh. <laughs> We tried so many times, I can remember, because mm-hmm. we didn't have the thing, so we couldn't save it, so if we turned it off, there's starting from square one the next day.
3: I think successful all niners. I think one, maybe two, but, like, at least four or five not successful ones where we would fall asleep at, like, four or five in the morning. Oh, that's pretty rough. That's pretty yeah. rough. I remember, I still, I still like, I, I've beaten the game. I know what most of it's about. But I have no idea how to how to do most things in the game. Like I don't know how to unlock any of the secret characters. Besides, I remember the, 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 the Minotaur, Minotaur where you had
2: to collect the freaking gold coins.
3: That took forever. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, but that that definitely got me hooked on the single player RPG games. Even though it was it was very like standard and like not very much story yeah, at like all. Obviously, four but, classes
2: to choose from, but
3: yeah it's like it was it was the earliest form of uh, Diablo but <laughs> dungeon crawlers. yeah right that's yeah that was always so much fun.
1: Noah, do you remember what your first game was?
2: So uh <clears throat> I, I never really owned a 64 I know sin bad uh, <laughs> get out of here. but uh, my first gaming console was original Xbox, uh, and the first game I can remember playing um, was, there was a Sega racing game, like Sega GT, it was a very, one of the very first Xbox original racing games that I played, but the one I played the most is Jet Set Radio, which was your, this like, kind of punky, rollerblading graffiti artist, and it had a whole storyline, and this really weird game that I don't know how I came across it, but I think it came with it. And I just fell in love with it because it was like visually had a lot of vibrant colors and um, you got to spray paint a whole bunch of stuff and they encourage you to do it. So like, who wouldn't be attracted to that as a young kid? But uh, that was pretty much the first single player game. And then as we mentioned earlier, I I played a lot of co-op with Mike with Gauntlet Legends and uh, a few other other games along those lines that we uh, spent numerous hours playing back in the day but yeah
1: i've never played uh jet set radio myself but didn't that have like a really good soundtrack or something
2: yeah i i think it um it had a very is kind of like a technoy kind of it tried to stay current with their music but um i think the most attractive part was like the outrageous characters in that and then they also had a very very bright color scheme and it just Oh, a weird game. Most people don't know about it because it was so small and insignificant, but to me it was the first one I had access to. So
1: Right. So many fond memories. We could just probably spend all day talking about these games that we played when we were children, but uh we're gonna go ahead and skip kind of skip ahead a little bit and to start talking about what in general are our favorite kinds of games. Like for myself personally, my favorite games. The ones I am always looking forward to, like almost no matter what, are typically RPGs or like first-person shooters of that sort. But some of, some of my absolute favorite franchises or series would have to include the Bioshock series, uh, Portal series for sure. I love Portal. Uh, definitely Pokemon series. There's a there's a soft spot in my heart for Pokemon. I can you can never go wrong with Pokemon. I feel like. So like for you guys. Uh, no, like, what are some of your favorite types of games?
2: Uh, probably the first series I fell in love with was Halo. Um, I got into a very, uh, like, it's the original Halo. Combat Evolved when it came out for the original Xbox. Loved it. Played all of them up until current day. Um, another series worth mentioning is Forza. I think I've owned all the Collector's Editions for the past games that they come out. Um, kind of a gearhead. As well as a gamer, so I really like their the way Turn 10 does their car games, and it's more of a sim side, trailer racing game. So, like simulation games, kind of got a little little interest in those. But um, most of my games now are kind of MMO or MMOE ish, RPG ish, where there's a lot of interaction with other players and internal systems in the games. But um, I'm kind of uh, in that that boat over there, um, RTS is worth a mention. Love them, terrible at them. But uh, if, I could play it, if I could play them, if I could
3: play I would. So. I don't, I, I, Halo I don't. Wars.
2: Halo oh Wars. yeah, Halo Wars is probably the only one I could play. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have a major soft spot in my heart for Starcraft Two. Like just a couple years ago, it was all I really cared about because I was so involved with playing Starcraft, watching Starcraft esports and going to Starcraft events that I always have fond memories of that. Uh, maybe maybe sometime in the future we'll talk more about that sort of stuff. But uh Michael, like what what are some of your favorite kind of games? Um
3: I feel like I'm sorta of in Kyle's boat with the RPG type thing. I RPG and creating your own story basically definitely is are the games that appeal most to me and then um I like first person and third person shooters uh but I feel like definitely RPGs probably the number 1 and then my favorite like series of games would probably be Assassin's Creed so on the first like first spot I've played uh, all of them except for the ones recently because of console restrictions and not wanting to get them on computer, hmm. but that's another story. long um, story, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, gosh, Bio- I've played the Bioshock. I like Bioshock. I like Mass Effect story. I like I like the games where their stories definitely like go throughout multiple games and like they don't just end after one game. Gears of War was one of my favorite series. Um, I haven't played the most recent one because I don't know. I was upset after the third one. I didn't like Dom dying. But spoiler alert! Oh, sorry, <laughs> it's been out for a while. I don't. I think everyone's it's been okay long with enough. That... It's okay. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't uh, played it by
1: now, you would probably never cared about the series in the first place.
3: Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's about it.
1: Nice. Nice. So, uh, like I mentioned at the start of the show, one of the things that we're really going to be focusing on is kind of just giving you guys a recap of the month, like everything that's happened in the past few weeks or so since the last episode of the show. Uh, the one thing we're going to do is we're going to like kind of just run down various news articles that we had somewhat across the internet and just kind of talk about what's been happening in the games industry. Uh, I know for one thing that's really big right now is the advent of virtual and augmented reality devices i know uh a big one that's coming out soon enough is going to be microsoft's hololens which has actually been released it's going to be available for the development edition is going to be available for pre-order right now and it's going to be shipping at the end of the March. End of march now um, they made the announcement that the development edition will be open for pre-orders, and it's going to be shipped on March 30th. Uh, I don't know how much you guys have looked into the Hololens specifically. Do you have any opinions on like what it can do? Like what it, what can augmented reality do for gaming?
2: Um. I, I personally took interest in this because you know there's we're kind of in the year of VR. A lot of people have been saying that this is the year where it takes off and kind of explodes. But like that, that's all you know, cool, and that is pretty big for gaming. But what I'm honestly more interested about is augmented because um, virtual reality um, is basically just putting a screen on your face and then you know you're stuck to that. But augmented reality kind of takes the environment you're in in the real world. It makes it better, which to me I feel like has a little bit more opportunities than virtual reality does. Um, until we get some super high tech way we can interface with someone's you know brain or something like that. But for right now, I I want to put my chips on uh, augmented reality versus virtual reality because um, you know it could it opens up a lot of abilities not just from a gaming aspect but like productive wise and being able to experience entertainment in a different way than usually but i think mike you had something to say about it
3: oh uh, i think i don't know i think it's really cool i haven't looked too much into it because uh money restrictions on it so i'm like i can't really afford virtual reality anything anytime soon <laughs> i think it's really gonna be awesome because i was always as a kid thinking man what if i could like play a shoot a shooter game like you know with like holding the gun in my hand and i can see with the uh glasses like the glasses on your eyes and you can just um like run on the treadmill type thing that was always the futuristic thing i always thought of when i thought of virtual reality and i don't know there was that one movie um sorry i don't remember the name the it came out the gamer with yeah the... it was gamer Connor yeah butler the movie wasn't too great, but the, that's the concept I thought of when I was thinking virtual reality. And the augmented reality is really cool. I, I've recently been playing Watch Dogs, which has, like, obviously it's not augmented reality, but it's, it's sort of in the future, the game is. So they have augmented reality mini-games in it to where, like, uh, aliens, uh, spawn up and you're like and you have guns in your hand like not real guns and you're shooting things that are like floating around around you in the game so it's a mini game uh, that ha- that's augment, basically augmented reality and they have like three or four of those like one uh, it's not exactly the same but I think I understand what you mean by you know changing your actual reality to be better with augmented reality, and right. the idea of it in the game is pretty cool.
1: Did uh, did any of you see that demo that Microsoft had like a year ago, where they were introducing the Hololens and they were showcasing the the guy like moving around in Minecraft level with the Hololens?
2: Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That was that was also another point I wanted to bring up because um, it could also affect the way we record media from now on. Because if you think about it, it's a great spectating tool. Uh, RTS games obviously bring that in. Watching a league match or a Dota match, you know, you can have the, the map on your table and you're just moving it around like it's a, like a physical object in front of you, and you can zoom in, zoom out, you know, mm-hmm. give it voice commands and stuff like that. Right. And if it, if feel this feel ever like
1: becomes a mainstream thing, it is going to change the way esports is watched. It'll no longer just be something that's streamed. It's something that you actually like get to move around and like, interact with in a way.
3: Right. Yeah, and I can see, like, I don't know if you've seen the casters lately, but they do have, like, their their screen is, like, on a table, and, like, they're looking down on it, so mm-hmm. I feel like that would be, I think that's what they're, if they're not thinking about that, but that's what they'd be ready for it already, to, like, already zoom in, because they're already looking down on a table for their screen.
2: Right. And also, maybe for capturing real sports and stuff, they might switch from normal, traditional cameras to... uh some devices that can capture 3D models and rendering uh, them. Does to...
1: imagine being able to, they, like, zoom in on a football field and, like, get right into the players' faces to see their emotions or how they're reacting to situations?
3: They're right. sort of slow with technology when it comes to cameras. <laughs> I don't know if you guys watch baseball or anything, but, yeah, they're still having problems. But Unfortunate. <laughs> I feel like eSports is going to be a little bit ahead of them on any of that. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> Since they, they kind of grew up in the technology realm.
3: Right.
1: The the biggest problem I see is, I mean, we're only right now in like the first generation of these virtual reality or augmented reality devices, the biggest problem is going to be the costs right now. They're still trying to streamline the technology, trying to get the costs down. So like right now, for example, the HoloLens developer edition is supposed to come out for $3,000.
2: Right, and I think a lot of it has to do with the marketing Microsoft's kind of doing, because originally it looked like they are trying to pitch it as some type of entertainment device, and you've kind of seen a shift lately in the past couple months where they're kind of leaning towards more of a professional. Um, I know they've distributed a few uh, early production models to a couple universities, and I know they showcased NASA in a recent TED Talk they hosted um, not too long ago, showcasing how they're using it as like a professional uh, tool like you'd use powerpoint or a, you know similar product like that
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay so moving on to uh the next topic uh the microsoft microsoft did a, tech, a ted talk going a little bit more in depth about the the age of holograms as they call it uh if you're interested in See more of that. I'll put a link in the description so people can check it out. See more of a demonstration of the HoloLens. Uh, Ted Talks Row is really awesome and informative. So probably worth it, but in other VR news, I do believe that PlayStation has actually announced their form of a VR headset, not augmented, but VR for the PlayStation 4 and the plan is right now it's going to release later this October. For three hundred and ninety-nine dollars. Hello, everyone.
2: Which I, I believe it's the cheapest and like the cheapest package you can get for VR right now.
1: Yes, because like current date the PlayStation VR should be three ninety-nine. The Oculus Rift is six ninety-nine, I think, and the yeah, Vive is seven ninety-nine. This is so definitely the entry you're level looking version. at the
2: entry level for VR right now. Um, is there anybody word if it will be able to only be on PlayStation, or is it possible to use it with, like, a PC?
1: I have not heard anything about it being usable on a PC yet, but due to the nature of how accessible PC hardware usually is, I wouldn't be surprised if someone mods it to work with it.
2: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, and especially since you're obviously going to have to send a video signal to it somehow, you know. It's a hard hard way to make it so people can't send whatever they want to it.
1: Right. Like, the thing that's really appealing to me for this uh, entry-level headset isn't just the lower cost, but the fact that it's designed to work just straight up with PlayStation 4 hardware, whereas like the Oculus and the Vive all require very high-end equipment to run properly. We're talking about computers that are spec'd out for at least 1440p or even 4K to a degree. So we're talking... Maybe $1,200 minimum for a computer.
2: And then also they require kind of a few uh, space requirements. And uh, a lot of them have cameras that you have to have set up. I know.
1: Yeah, because I know Uh, that at least... Not
2: just one or two. I think the Vive requires several, I think.
1: Yeah, I know the Vive has a a feature where you put, like, these sensors in the corner of the room you're in. And then it, like, reads everything in the room. You can move around the entire room with it. Whereas, like, the PlayStation VR is going to be more of just the headset and what the headset can do for you. So if you're looking for a more affordable, just kind of entry-level option for VR or virtual reality headsets, I'd, I'd probably look at the PlayStation headset. I don't know what they have planned for the game options, but I think I did hear something that they will let you just straight up put any regular PlayStation game into the headset and like view it kind of like a movie theater screen that's on your face, so that's that's something to always consider. That sounds pretty cool to me. Uh oh, they did say one thing about games. Uh, apparently, it was announced that uh, Star Wars Battlefront is going to be an exclusive game release for PlayStation VR, it's kind of a release of what's already out, okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Not so better.
2: it's going to be the same same game, just optimized for VR?
1: Yeah, basically. I find it interesting that they said it's going to be exclusive to the PlayStation VR, kind of suggesting that there won't be a, a version for Oculus or five.
2: Uh I don't know.
3: So with this so, virtual reality, do you play with a controller and that thing's on your face?
1: Yeah, for the most part, but I think... Head movement will also play a, a small role in what you're able to do. Like, you'll be able, like, normally you'd move the camera around with your right stick, but instead you'll use your head to move the camera. Interesting. it would be something like that. Like, this is definitely not going to be something you can just put on and get used to right away. I think you definitely need to adjust to the change in how you move and operate your character. Yeah.
3: I could see profit in, like, people building, like, specific chairs and stuff for it. Definitely yeah like battle like stations yeah you're going to need like something that can move with you or like yeah so like with virtual reality there's a lot of extra expenses that come with it hopefully they can get that streamlined to where you're not going to need all the extras to do this
1: right i've never worn one of the vr headsets myself i'd love to find an opportunity to go to like a con or something and try it out just to see like how much of a difference it's really going to make. Cause if, if this is as good as people say it can be, it's going to be a complete game changer for the way games are developed in the future. Like, like mm-hmm. we were already mentioning this, the idea of like, say augmented reality becomes a thing that's going to like completely change how RTS are played. Maybe not shooters, but like it could change all sorts of strategy based games. Now that you can like, Put the entire world on your desk and then like move units around the world with your hands. Like it, it's just completely different. So, yeah, definitely going to be keeping an eye on how this VR and augmented reality develops in the future. Hopefully, it all lives up to most of the expectations. Um, in other news, it's not strictly game related, but it sort of is. According to Mr. J.J. Abrams, the director, the Half-Life and Portal movies are in development and being written. Now, this came as a bit of a surprise to me because I wasn't aware that Hollywood was in works to create a Portal movie or a Half-Life movie. Uh, I, I kind of
2: jumped out of nowhere, to
1: be honest. Yeah, especially considering someone like J.J. Abrams is involved in the project, I immediately became very excited because I thought... At least the most recent Star Wars movie he did was pretty good. I haven't seen the Star Trek movie, so I don't know, but I think generally he's a pretty decent director. Yeah, It
2: kind of speaks a lot too with all the other, I uh, know, the Warcraft movie um, coming out too, but right. this will also be another precedent was whether or not he can pull it off, because it will either open up a door or close a door for other potential titles to move into the Hollywood scene or not. Video
3: game movies are going to be a uh... I hope they go well, honest, honestly, and personally. Yes. Because I would love to see some of the stories unfold more than they can in video games. Right. Because them... we're always
2: we're always looking at those cutscenes. We're like, oh, this could be so much better, or oh, this is a be amazing movie, or mm-hmm. you know, along those lines.
1: Some movies seem more promising than others. I will say, like. Just this year alone, I know we have the Warcraft movie comes out. Maybe not going to be the best written movie, but the visuals are amazing in it. And there's also the Assassin's Creed movie that's coming out for the next year with Michael Fassbender being the lead, which I think that has a lot of potential. Michael Fassbender is a very good actor, in my opinion. He was actually nominated for an Academy Award just this past month or so. So that gives me a lot of hope. I don't Big problem for me is going to be the writing because I've never really found adapting the writing of a game to work well in the movie medium.
2: Right, because we uh, talked earlier how games are so special to us because there's the input-output portion of it where you're taking that input-output and then you're just getting an output now because you're just watching it and you don't have any control over it. So, Mm
3: -hmm. yeah, I I personally am worried about the Assassin's Creed. I love the Series so much, and I really hope the movie goes well. Um, I've been thinking that the this series needs a movie. I uh, I don't know. I haven't heard too much. Um, do you know if the movie is about is like about the story that's already out, or is it a new story?
1: I know for a fact that the assassin character is a new character in the f- franchise. He's not been in any other. Uh, games so it's going to be more original in that sense although i still think there's the whole animus going back to the different timeline kind of thing going on yeah like other than that i don't know anything because i've not seen a trailer i've literally only seen images of michael fassbender in the assassin outfit which which he looks really good in them don't get me wrong but like other than that i've seen nothing for nothing
3: yeah i i I'm interested to see. I would love to have Ezio's story told out in a movie because Ezio was one of my favorite characters. Um, the three games they gave him were maybe a bit much. Maybe, uh, the, maybe. The, the 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 first one definitely very good. I like the I liked his origin story, sad but good. Um, I mean, I I think he needs he needs some more love when it comes to movies and, like, something other than the the last couple of games they gave him.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: the thing but, that uh, really concerns me about the idea of a Half-Life or Portal movie is the fact that both of those games feature characters that don't talk. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know how that's gonna work in a modern movie. Like, Gordon Freeman from Half-Life, he he doesn't talk he like has no interaction he's supposed to be a complete blank slate that the player projects themselves in you're supposed to role play as him
2: so i think it, it could be an interesting take on a, a movie cuz uh, we i don't know if you've seen the completely first person movie that like the, you know, the action movie like the cloud oh. field
1: movies which jj J. abrams was a part of yeah hmm maybe so, Maybe. <laughs> I, don't know. I
2: feel like it could be done, and I feel like he's probably the best best one to do it. Um, it might be why he chose those two, because he gets a little bit more freedom with the
3: yeah. characters. Maybe. And if you watch the Portal um, trailer, they didn't talk at all in it. So That's true. Or yeah. at least the girl didn't. So, I mean, we'll see. Here's hoping.
1: Here's hoping. I I was gonna say something, but I totally forgot. Anyways. <laughs> um, happens. another movie or video game, the movie news. This one's not maybe as big of a deal as some people, but uh the news is the writer of the Metro 2033 C- series, Partners of Hollywood for a film. Now I know that Metro the Metro series was originally a book, but the mm-hmm. adaptation to a video game kind of Took off, and I think that's now the more popular way to experience that story of the storyline. Did, did either of you play the Metro games 23 I 3, played or Last Light?
3: Last Light Metro Last Light. I'm oh, I think that's the title. I liked it a lot, it was really cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, it had technical problems, but it did a really, really good job of having this really thick atmosphere that just totally engrossed you in the world of this. Like subterranean train station in Russia or something like that.
3: Yeah, that's it. And like, post-apocalyptic, I, I thought, playing the game, that there was so much more to the story that I didn't understand. And once I learned that it was a book, that totally made sense. I'm like, yeah, I can tell that this, there's a lot of story behind it that the game can't capture, but that's just because it's obviously restricted as a game. But... I feel like if they made movies for this, it could easily be a really good movie. But since it is also a book, it could also be really bad because we know how good Hollywood is at making um, movies based on books.
1: What are you talking about, man? The uh, Maze Runner amazing. (laughs) Maze Runner, (laughs)
3: uh, Percy Jackson. um, I mean, some of the Harry Potter movies uh yeah we'll yeah we'll leave it at that pretty hit or miss, <laughs> it we'll... basically we'll be uh yeah.
1: we'll be keeping tabs on the development of these movie to video game adaptations or the other way around just kind of see where they go from the future because there's a lot of them currently being worked on so I'm curious to see what happens
3: the other way around they don't really work movies to video games um, haven't always been the best games
1: no I have like... played some really bad ones years ago. The,
3: besides Lego games. Lego games are awesome. Oh yeah, those but... are
1: fine. We can uh we can keep doing that. That's fine.
3: Yeah, the, like the Harry Potter games. I didn't play all of them. I played a, like one or two of them. I remember they were... <laughs> I,
1: I played, they were decent. I played three of them. I played I remember I played the uh, the Sorcerer's Stone game, which was actually pretty cool. You, you actually got to like explore around the entire hogwarts castle and like learn magic it was semi-open world in a sense it was, so, so I, think,
2: I think i had that one as well for the original xbox yeah it um, was actually i think the favorite part is you could fly around on your broom around hogwarts campus
1: yeah you could actually get on the broom and fly around i forgot about that part
2: it yeah, was probably what i spent most of my time doing because everything else is a little bit boring to me at the time. But
1: <laughs> I remember spending a lot of time doing uh, like side missions for Hagrid, where he'd have you like go around the gu- the grounds, like, find herbs for potions or something. So mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun exploring the Hogwarts grounds, doing that, going into the forests. Uh, then the what? other one I played was the Quidditch game. Remember that?
3: That was like my favorite game I have ever played on PlayStation Two. <laughs> right? The game was fantastic. Honestly. <laughs> Just not just because I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, but because that game was it was awesome. It was really well made, and I'm like, I can't believe they haven't made another one. But I hope they don't make another one that and not make it as good like they did with Battlefront. Right. My other favorite game from back then.
1: Guys, you're, you're killing us. Stop choking us to death with season passes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, getting back to uh, gaming news, uh, one little tidbit that I found really interesting was that the creators of the popular game League of Legends Riot Games bought Fighting Game Studio, rating Entertainment. That kind of surprised me.
0: If it, I if know, they I can know they...
2: some some Riot employees were quoted saying we're going to work on putting the S in Riot games and stuff like that, like hinting at like you know maybe we'll expand to a couple other games other than just League of Legends. But, you know, I don't know. We'll see. They're very slow at doing things because they got a huge task at fixing League of Legends. So
1: Yeah, so Radiant Game... Radiant Entertainment was working on a game called Rise and Thunder, which is like Rock'em Sock'em Robots or something. But the idea behind the fighting game was that there was only... I, don't quote me on this, but I think there was like one button for all your actions and then you had to, I don't know how it worked, but there was something you could do to affect what the action button actually did. Like it was still very early in development. It was just kind of like a concept that they were working on and then they got bought it by Riot. So I'm wondering if this is Riot's plan to like really start taking over the market with their brand of League of Legends. Kind of the way Blizzard did with Warcraft years ago. Kind of yeah. start expanding to other mediums. Like, does this mean now we're going to have a of League of Legends fighting game, followed by a League of Legends MMO yeah, followed by a League of Legends kart racing game?
2: They'll or pull a, card, a reverse a
3: card <laughs> game for League? Yeah. That'd be
1: cool.
2: Instead think... so of taking all their characters and putting them into one game, they'll give all their characters their own game.
1: <laughs> now that you mentioned the card game, I think that is actually happening as well.
3: Really? Like Hearthstone? I but could really? have
1: sworn I heard something about that, but I can't find the source of it. That would be I cool. know there
2: are a lot of community members who would make their own personal ones.
1: but yeah. So the most popular game in the world is going to be growing. It's going to be taking over the market even more than it already has. It's going to be <laughs> interesting to watch. Um, Speaking of growing and taking over the world, Microsoft recently made... <laughs> Microsoft made an announcement that they want PS4 and PC and their Xbox One to all be connected under one network, in a sense, to support cross-platform play between all the machines.
2: Uh, I I like it. I think it could do wonders for gaming market, but I feel like it's not going to go the way I want it to. And I feel like if it happens, people are just going to focus on, oh, we have our exclusives left. To yeah. get people to buy our consoles and our exclusive features, so like we might see partnerships exclusively with Netflix or Hulu or Spotify with only one platform and games splitting and picking. Oh, you have to buy a PlayStation to play with it, even though if your Xbox friend had it, you could have played together. But you have to have a PlayStation. Stuff like that. I feel like that that's where it's gonna go, but I don't want it to.
3: Yeah, they're gonna be like opening it but also so many restrictions are going to come with it
2: and where if you, like
3: yeah. yeah
2: if you want to play all the games you have to buy all the systems and it's like uh
3: which i'm like already contemplating like i want the i want to play the exclusives already like that's that's <laughs> already a problem i want i want an xbox one and a ps4 but yeah we'll see how that goes because Obviously, I mean PlayStation Four and PC are already working together. Microsoft with Xbox One is already is the one having the problems. Right. It's so strange that Microsoft is having
1: Microsoft is having this problem where Xbox One and PC games are already not connected despite both being Microsoft products. Somehow, virtually built
2: on similar software. The Xbox (laughs)
1: One is already like a boxed Windows ten, so it is really confusing to me, honestly, like the fact that Microsoft's the one that came out and said that they want to support cross platform between p s four and xbox one when i when I hear that, wrong. all I'm thinking is that support that will help Microsoft out, but it literally does nothing to help PlayStation out. They're already way ahead of the game, they're already like in the lead. Why would they open up to help Microsoft catch back up? you know yeah, yeah, but p
2: s four did say they're willing, right. I mean they, well, have, they said they have been, because they have supported a number of games. They've over. already
1: been totally willing to help support cross-platform between PS4 and PC.
3: Good guy Sony.
1: <laughs> Good guy Sony. I mean, <laughs> I'd I'd like to see this happen just because I don't want to try to exclude anyone that plays on Xbox One. Like the, we all have the right to play together. Shame yeah. that Microsoft hasn't allowed that to happen as of yet.
3: They're, they're, <laughs> people deserve the right to brag about... I mean, I've, I've heard so many people say, oh, I'm better at Call of Duty than you because I play it on PS4 and I instead of Xbox One. And I'm like, that the only difference right now is the controller. So now they have the... Now, hopefully, they're going to get the option to be like, either to decide who's better, PS4 or Xbox One players, or to see that, oh, it doesn't really matter. It's actually like, the player that matters.
0: hmm right.
1: So, yeah. Uh, I'd like to see that continue on. I'm not sure if it will. There, there's probably some legal issues somewhere that pre- prevents the two services from crossing. We'll, we'll keep tabs on that if there's any further developments. Uh, speaking of developments, Crytek, the creators of the pretty well-known Cry Engine game engine, has announced the release of their new CryEngine 5, and that it's going to be free to use for developers.
2: Uh, and DirectX 12 support. And support important.
1: for DirectX 12.
2: So it will um, run... Also C Sharp, I think is... is yeah, it's,
1: uh, it's going to be a, a C Sharp code. So it's changing like the way it's coded. Uh, yeah. I'm personally pretty excited for this. I know some people don't get too in-depth with the way that games are developed, but for anyone that's, like, really looked at CryEngine and, like, what that does for games, it's it's pretty fantastic. Like, just go check out some CryEngine tech demos and just imagine that now you, if you know how to use C Sharp, the coding language, you can make stuff like this with a little work, and I'm pretty excited. Like, every, every once in a while, I get the itch to open up Unity or maybe even Unreal Engine and mess around just kind of see what I make. But if I can make stuff in CryEngine now, I'm pretty excited.
2: Because yeah, it, it's a really powerful software. It's a powerful it's engine. Made, made uh, some pretty beautiful games, regardless of gameplay or not. They were fun to look at.
1: I mean, <laughs> probably the most well-known series on CryEngine is the Crysis series itself. We all right, like,
2: which has always been known for staple and... Like, go check out, your... go check out some
1: uh, benchmarks or like some some HD gameplay of Crisis Three and be like, I can do this. I now have the yeah. tools for this.
3: That'd be cool. <laughs> Exciting. That game was good.
1: Yeah. Um. What else is there to talk about? Okay. Yeah. I saw this pop up. I haven't looked into it too much, but apparently, some um, documents came out and the. The basic idea is that Sony is in is currently working to build a foundation that will allow PlayStation, like PlayStation One and PlayStation Two games, to be ported and released on iOS and Android phones.
2: Hmm. Uh, I, I I think I saw that story as well. Um...
1: I haven't looked oh, too no. much into it. I just kind of saw like a really short summary of like what they're. Trying to plan for, and that's what I got from it. So they're trying to create a way to easily move their old games onto iPhones and iPads and that sort of stuff. So
2: maybe yeah. like a mobile version of Little Big Planet or something along those lines. Who knows? Yeah.
1: They're calling the, like, the the Operation Ford Works, and they're playing so not them, like an,
2: but, an emulator,
1: it might be some oh, sort no. of em, Sony patented emulator, maybe. I haven't looked at the specifications for it just of yet, but yeah, they're planning on beginning work on it uh, April 1st. So if that goes well, then maybe the near future, you can expect to see a lot of classic PlayStation titles on your phones. Like, I don't know which ones will work, but maybe stuff like Spyro, Crash Bandicoot, Metal Gear Solid, stuff like that, maybe.
2: It's probably a a way for them to get around the backwards compatibility issues with their PS4. Oh, yeah. Perhaps, yeah. That is a problem.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's really the only, that's like the big advantage that Xbox One has had over PlayStation 4 is their backwards compatibility. Every week or so, I see at least two new games come out for Xbox One that are backwards compatible.
2: still waiting for Halo Wars. I've been waiting. (laughs) it's on the list I know it is I've seen it we need it (laughs) it's coming soon right
0: anytime now um go ahead
2: Um, I know along with
3: what's up everybody uh, Damon here with I know we kind of touched on VR
2: earlier but any of you are kind of into the anime scene Uh, IBM made a statement a couple months ago that they're doing a Sword Art Online project where they're building a virtual reality system where you can put on um, the gear and kind of interact with a game similar to the one in the show. Uh, I know they've had some development um, previews where you can see that it's actually functioning and it's not just, oh, we're going to work on this little project and kind of do it to please a couple people. But it looks like they're going full Monty on this, and hopefully we'll see something cool come out of it. Maybe open some doors that weren't there for VR. Or yeah, they, maybe they, even they like open a, it up to expanding it somehow. They
1: have like a full-size rig with a treadmill and stuff on it. Pretty neat.
2: Yeah. So if you're interested in that kind of uh, that, that side of entertainment, there's that outlet
1: for you. And IBM's the one making it? Yep. I, mean, I had no idea gonna... that they were trying to step into the VR world.
2: I was surprised too, because I know they do a lot of other stuff other than making computers as far as R&D and researching and stuff. I didn't think they'd get into the gaming industry this late.
1: As they are now. That's that's interesting. Um, Yeah, one more bit of technological news to talk about. This is this is not completely confirmed yet it. it's just been reported on and we're waiting to see more news of it but word on the street is Sony is currently in development of a quote unquote PlayStation 4 and a half the goal of it being a 4K resolution console through 4K TVs and such now i found this very interesting considering the fact that the current PlayStation 4 can barely reach 1080p resolution, like it can't even support 1080p at anything more than 30 frames per second for games. That is, so hmm. the fact that they want to jump over 2k resolution and go straight to 4k resolution, and I'm just like, how is that gonna be possible? Like, are they completely overhauling all of the hardware inside of the machine? Like, are they maybe misleading? their statements, and it's only going to be 4K video for, like, Blu-rays and such. I, I just don't know. I thought it was interesting that there's... Apparently there's going to be a now updated version of the PlayStation coming out.
2: Are they going to do some funky GPU rendered scaling like uh, their games they're trying to pull off?
1: I think maybe. Like, the only way they can get bio is if they upscaled from what they're currently at. But if they did that... It's not going to look that great on a 4K TV whatsoever. Stretching a 1080p image like four times over, something like that. It's going to be very pixelated. Not going
0: to end well, but no. you never know.
1: I thought I'd just throw it out there because I feel like this PlayStation four and a half is not all it's cracked up to be, and it's just probably going to end up being not really a gaming related update, more of a video Or Blu-ray update. That was worth mentioning. Um, I think that's it as far as like hardware news goes. Now, when it comes to news for actual game-related activities, uh, one thing that I found interesting was that the lead writer of the Mass Effect series left the studio before the newest Mass Effect has released. And that came with the announcement that Mass Effect Andromeda has been delayed to 2017. So, I'm curious to see how you guys think that's going to affect the ultimate quality of Mass Effect Andromeda. The fact that they lost their writer and then immediately delayed the game a few months.
2: Um, I, I personally am not a huge Mass Effect fan. I've maybe played a few, few hours on the third one. Um, Give us a free gold title for Xbox Live. Um, But, I mean, if you lose a writer who's been there for, I don't know, three of their greatest hits, you know, that's not going to be not looking too good for you, especially since you have an immediate delay of your next big, big blockbuster. But I know, Michael, you've you've been a big fan of the series and played, I think, all of them up until this point. Um, I have,
3: sadly... Have not played the first Mass Effect and have tried oh. to, I've tried to get to it and tried like, like tried to buy it on 360 and go back and play through it all, but it take a long. It take a lot of time to like. Make, I want to eventually make a character to go through all three games, but yeah, I have been a fan since Mass Effect 2, and the story in it is really good. I really like it. It's so in-depth with so many different characters, and there's... Uh, you can change the story with literally one decision. ...death um, to where you can kill off a character
0: mm-hmm.
3: even though he could have been um, on it. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's so cool, the way they did it. The ending for... Mass Effect Three was um, confusing, and then they released something to help, like uh, I don't know, make it less confusing. Yeah, they released an update that like fixed the ending. Well, the fan backlash was going. The fans, uh, that one, I don't know which fan video it was, but there was one fan video that like explained it all, and if that was true, there was was that video
1: on the uh, the the, was it the theory of. I forget what it was called. The there was a whole theory about how the ending actually wasn't what it was, and it meant something else completely.
3: Yeah, I forget now. Well, it has been so long. Cool. Um, but the writer, I mean, that if that guy did most, he definitely did did most of the uh, work in those two games. Losing him would be huge detriment. I'm hoping they had most of the story written. Um, before he left, obviously. I'm, I'm pretty because...
1: sure they, there was a comment here that said that he was mostly done with everything before he left.
3: Are they letting them... Are, is he letting them use what he wrote? Because sometimes that's a problem too.
1: I think so. I don't know why they scrap yeah. everything.
3: Well, I mean, sometimes it, it just depends on whether he claimed it as his or if it's, like, the property of Uh, the people who make Mass Effect.
1: We'll see. I'm I'm under the impression that him leaving maybe wasn't the direct cause for the delay. There's been other things on EA's plate that maybe led to the delay of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, One note before we move on is that at the end of the article, it says that the guy, Chris, the lead writer, when he left, he went over and joined Bungie to be a writer on... Destiny, or well, or new Destiny projects.
0: That's
3: good news for Destiny. It, it, yeah, because <laughs> like, they need, they needed a better story.
1: I'm not too familiar with Destiny. That's more of your territory. So, uh, but, but I've heard that it's pretty lacking in story from
3: time to time. Yeah, there's not much story to it. It's basically, well, I have not played the DLC. I've only beaten the main the main story. So, there's not much story to it. Like, there's the only real dialogue that is throughout the game is between you and your ghost. So, it's hard to have a whole story go between two different- just two people. You do talk to some other AIs, but it's- I don't know. If they, if they can make the story better, it would make the game a lot better. But I do know the one of the main reasons why it's so popular is because of the multiplayer. So maybe it's not too much of a problem.
1: Perhaps. Yeah, I'm still looking forward to the Mass Effect game that's coming out. I'm probably going to end up replaying through all three Mass Effects sometime before next year. So I can go into that fresh memory and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other EA-related news, the EA... CFO reveals that Titanfall 2 and Battlefield 5 will be released before Christmas of this year. So maybe that has something to do with why they're pushing <laughs> Mass Effect back.
2: So, I mean, E3 is going to be big this summer.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, I wasn't crazy about the first Titanfall, but it had a lot of potential. I feel like they've learned a lot from it. As I think I remember hearing that Titanfall 2 will actually have a single player campaign this time.
2: I hope so. so. We will get a full game this time.
1: It'll be a full game this time. <laughs>
2: yeah, but uh, yeah, it one uh, it was kind of a little shortcoming because they didn't have that single player aspect. But I do think it influenced a lot of other games. And uh, yeah, ever since uh, Titanfall know...
1: came out, like every Call of Duty has had that jetpack thing going on now.
2: Right. So it did bring some good out of it. I mean, it was fun. It just didn't have a lot of depth to it at the time. I feel like they could add it a lot more that they didn't include in it.
1: Mm-hmm. I find it interesting how EA's plans for this fall include releasing two large first person shooter multiplayer games around the same time as each other. So they're going to be competing with each other at the same time. Now, we don't know anything about Battlefield 5 yet. I've heard rumors that it's actually going to be like a World War I, World War II shooter, but. Those are just rumors. No actual concrete evidence to support that fact yet. So, if it's just an ordinary battlefield set in modern times, it's going to com- like compete with Titanfall really closely. I feel like I don't know. Seems like a weird sure. move to me.
3: I I hope Battlefield Five is something other than modern slash slightly future warfare just for the sake of the franchise and for the sake of everyone playing first person shooters recently I because agree. it's getting old the oh, whole if it, if like ahead. any
2: faith in their marketing team you know the indication that they're both being released at the same time could kind of hint at that they're not similar games
3: i don't know ea's marketing <laughs> um, you never know ea
2: if they're if they're uh, <laughs> Have any lick of intelligence in there? It, I
3: mean, when was the last time we even had a Battlefield that wasn't?
2: It's been retextured since Bad Company, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, I think the last four Battlefields
1: were Battlefield 1943, which was just a small-scale arcade game that in World War II. That was released.
2: I remember that. And
1: then there was Bad one. Company 2, Wait, Battlefield 3... Bat- nope. Bad Company 2, that's what I meant to say. Bad Company 2, Bad Food 3, Bad Food 4, which are all modern military shooters.
2: I loved that. And then we had the uh, Hardline, which is basically oh, Battlefield oh, yeah. 4, just retextured. <laughs>
1: that is still a Battlefield game set in modern times with modern weapons that we're all very familiar with, though. So, yeah, it's getting a little stale at this point, I feel like. Uh, speaking of other. Modern or near future shooters. There was a apparent leak from the UK magazine that suggests that the next Call of Duty coming out this year is going to be Call of Duty: Ghosts 2. Uh, not a lo- not a whole lot of information because it was just like a leaked news article kind of s- stating that it, it's going to exist this year. I don't know anything about what's going to change in this Call of Duty compared to. Advanced Warfare or Black Ops 3 or anything of the sort. But I found it really interesting that if it does happen to come out this year, like, within a three-month period, we're going to get Call of Duty Ghost 2, Titanfall 2, and Battlefield 5.
0: (laughs) That's a uh...
1: lot of progression-based multiplayer first-person shooters to come out in a small window of time. Uh I feel like the that genre is very saturated at this point.
3: Yeah, it's it's going to need some change. Like back, I remember back when I first started playing um like I think I yeah, I played Call of Duty 4 was my first Call of Duty game I ever played and back at that point everyone was like we need to stop doing World War II games. And then they made World at War and everyone loved it. World War 2 World at War was a good game but then now we haven't seen a world like a World War 2 World War 1 game since then and everyone wants it again maybe not everyone but we need something that's changed from this stagnant like future like we everything it's almost playing the same game across different titles
1: yeah i'm definitely uh, looking forward to something that's a little bit more fresh something that Maybe we'll revitalize the first-person shooter genre. And I have an idea what game that might be. I think you guys may agree with me, but I personally see a lot of potential in a little game called Overwatch to do that. (laughs) Little game. Little little segue there, uh, which actually just had the announcement that the Overwatch release will be May 24th of this year with an open beta that takes place between May 5th and May 9th. So, being an open beta, that means you can just download the game, play for free, give them some feedback, see if you like the game. If you do, go ahead and pre-order it, whatnot. But, like, I'm really excited for this game because it blends multiple genres together. It's like, it takes, like, the abilities and teamwork of the mobile games like League of Legends and Dota and combines it with class-based first-person shooters, kind of like Team Fortress, for example, just packs it all in the one package. And the big thing for me is that the developer is Blizzard Entertainment who, you know, I've been playing their games for over like a decade now and I've always loved their games and they're always very popular. So there's just a lot going for it right now and what can I say? I'm really looking forward to this game. How about you guys?
2: I easily think it's going to be the game of the year. I mean, everybody's kind of hyped about it nobody's really said anything bad about it that i've heard too much
1: no like uh i know a lot of streamers on twitch and youtube personalities have gotten access to this game as early as last november or so i think it was something like that and they've been playing that and they've all had positive things to say like yeah the action's fresh it's fast paced if you're working as a team the game is just even better like, to Get your friends in here, team up, and just kind of like wreck the objectives. So I think this is definitely going to be the future of where the first person shooter genre should go. Not necessarily the whole progression and modern military feel of what we have now from Call of Duty and Battlefield.
2: And then, I don't know, the only downside to it I think is oversaturation of those types of games because we already see Right, there a couple other games that have sprung up and are starting to take form and have already been released that are very similar to it.
1: Right, there, there's... People
3: can't come up with their own ideas. There's already a lot
1: of similar <laughs> games coming up. There's Overwatch for one, but then there's also Paragon, which blends the shooter and mobile genres. And there's also... Oh man, what was that... Just had a tip of my tongue. There's uh, at least two or three more in addition to that that are very similar. There's Battleborn
2: that's coming out soon. That was it, yeah. Isn't uh, that and, one and being. one other one that I think. Uh, I think of something else, okay. I can't think of at the moment.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, I've kind of just not been paying as close attention to them because there's just so many of them. But once they start coming out, I'll probably begin looking around at them because right now. When you look at the MOBA first-person shooter kind of games, there's just a lot of them that are in beta or early access or something right now. None of them are in their final form, so I don't really want to form too much an opinion on them until then. But uh, I think starting right the summer we'll be able to get a good look at them.
2: Yeah, watch what it'll be out. a nice refresh from all the, uh, um, kind of the first-person shooters. And, uh, Call of Duties and Battlefields have been around.
3: That's what yeah. I'm looking for. It's, I I I'm really looking forward to Overwatch 2, and hopefully, uh, it's not gonna be too much money grabbing with, because I I I am one of those people that is like, oh I love this character. Oh, they have a skin. No, I, <laughs> I don't I don't need it. I I don't I
2: crap i just bought it i need it yeah yeah i was seen it looked pretty relaxed as far as the microtransactions and things okay
1: so. yeah uh, even the base game itself is pretty good like the base game itself is only 40 dollars, not right. 60 it's only 40 like i don't see too many new releases coming out for a less than 60 price tag nowadays which is awesome it means more people are gonna be able to get into it and start playing it
2: and have they yeah. taken in a stand on, they said, maybe a statement about how all the characters will be yes. available?
1: Like Unlike other MOBAs, they said that once you buy the game and get into it, all future playable characters will be free to play. You don't have to pay anything extra to get them. The only things Farm in the or... game you'll pay for are cosmetic skins. There are no, That's what I like to hear. There are no unfair advantages you can get from buying stuff. It's just purely cosmetics. Good job, Blizzard. Good job. Um, in more release date news, the long-awaited No Man's Sky has finally gotten a release date of June 21st for PC and PlayStation 4.
2: It's kind of interesting to see a lot of these PC and PS4 combo, combo uh, releases.
1: Right? Uh, Xbox One is kind of slacking a bit.
2: I wonder if it has anything to do with the... Uh... Of PSVR and any correlation to those.
1: You think because the Xbox One won't have any VR helmet for itself?
2: Uh, I, I think the Oculus is set to be supported by it, but I don't think. I know it made supports the statements. Xbox
1: One controller, but I don't know if it supports the hardware itself.
2: Right, because I know they made statements about whether or not it was going to be.
1: Interesting. Have you guys looked much into No Man's Sky?
2: Uh, yeah, I remember we we personally, as a group, kind of talked about it and how it's like the one of the first, it's not the first, but it's taking procedural generation and kind of away from the blocky Minecraft-esque kind of worlds and taking it into a more uh, natural looking, um, kind of fleshed out uh, worlds where not only just planets you can go to, but universes where it scales, you
3: know. Yeah. Yeah, I remember this game and talking about it, and it's it's going to be big. It's going to be a lot of... It's going to be very time-consuming, which um, we see a lot more games that are like that now, that are coming out, because you can make things so much bigger. And,
2: uh... Yeah, the only thing is, I have to say is they have to be careful with, like, the whole idea of the procedural generation is... Um... It's like it can get very boring very fast if you're just reproducing you know, colors or textures instead of actually changing models and, and uh, interactions with these models and stuff like that. Because you can easily, you know, make a Minecraft, but to make it fun, you know, you got to be able to have more than just uh, uh, different sized animals that get put through all over the world. You have to have different a huge, big library of graphics to make it last. Last.
1: That's been a big concern of this game. When they first announced it, they were like, yeah, it's a space exploration game where there's like over 15 billion planets you can land on and explore. You can even claim the planets for yourself. and it's There's literally endless possibilities of things you could do. I'm like, wow, that sounds awesome. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like... So all I'm doing Ow. is flying between these planets that are all going to look pretty similar to each other because, I mean, there's 18 billion of them, but how much varieties are actually going to be
2: right. it's like one's going to have bluegrass, the other one's going to have green grass. And it's like, oh well, yeah.
1: And then like, yeah. once you're there, what are you going to do besides walk around and look at the wildlife? Like I yeah, heard yeah. there's actually like a crafting and resource gathering component, but like they have not shown off that feature at all at any of the previews. So the fact that this game is being... They're asking $60 for it, and we literally have no idea what even doing it. It's kind of concerning to me.
3: Yeah. If they had, like, something... Like, a random generator of creatures for each, like, play planet. So it's actually, like, you get to see different types of weird things on each one. And different types of, like, if they had a random generator for plants, say that'd be even better and awesome if they could do that. I'm not sure. I haven't heard much, but I I feel like it has a lot of potential. Hopefully they grasp onto it as much as they can. We'll see. We will see.
1: Um, and then the last bit of news I'd like to bring up is the fact that Microsoft has, in fact, kind of put forth this initiative to bring more Xbox One games to PC. Uh, mm-hmm. They're the big one they're doing right now is they're bringing a like a stripped down version of Forza Six, I believe, to PC. Uh, Forza wow. Six Apex, I think that's what it's called. But it's less about like the actual game itself, more of the idea that Microsoft has decided to support the PC a little bit more by bringing what was exclusives now to the PC, because they've already brought. The remastered version of Gears of War 1 to PC. They're doing Forza now. In all for- future Forza games, they're doing Quantum Break. That's going to be PC and Xbox One. As far as I'm aware, like the only major franchise that's going to stay, ha- stay on the Xbox One is Halo.
2: Uh, I don't know if you remember the Halo Wars 2 announcement. Yeah, that, I know they noticed.
1: that's going to be on PC, but I'm talking that's about the, the first-person game. shooter Halo game. Right. So we'll see. I'm, I'm curious like cuz I know Noah you have an Xbox one and a right. PC. So this doesn't really affect you cuz you were going to be able to play the games regardless of which platform but like what if you only had an Xbox one? Like does this make you feel like maybe your console isn't worth as much as it once was? <laughs>
2: it's literally a halo box. <laughs>
3: right. But now. I feel like that's why like I'm not leaning either way to which one's better. But I'm personally leaning towards a PS4 just because of the exclusives, and that's it now. And I feel like Xbox is falling behind because of their exclusives. Right. And like I, the one argument I keep getting from people when I say that is like, "What about Halo?" I'm like, I love Halo. Halo and, has and been the same since. Four, uh, yeah, it's it's no three longer Bung- it's always... Bungie yeah. It's not Bungie so it's not. I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, a lot of this is maybe just your personal opinion. If you still absolutely love your Xbox One and love playing Halo and those other Microsoft exclusives, that's that's cool. I'm so happy that you're able to do that. But for me, I hear this and I'm just I feel a little sad because I feel like uh, Microsoft is just kind of starting to lay back and maybe just give up the fight, the console of war, and they're just going to start working for the future, which maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. We'll see. I think this year's E3 is going to be very important for Microsoft. If they don't actually kill it, they are, they're they're probably going to be done.
3: Yeah, as with the console war especially. I mean, if Microsoft t- starts to take more like responsibility for their PC, yeah, Microsoft needs to focus on getting someone like Naughty Dog. Like, PlayStation 4 has Naughty Dog, who creates awesome exclusives for them. And Microsoft needs a developer like that to make awesome exclusives for them. Like, Bungie used to be for Halo. And Halo's still going, but I feel like they need a new title. They need something new for Xbox to be, a th- like, I don't know, like, mm-hmm. to be able to keep up. I guess. And the
1: problem is, like, they're coming out with some pretty cool-looking new IPs, like Quantum Break and uh, the pirate game from Rare, whatever that was called, <laughs> Sea of Thieves, I think. But the problem is, those are coming out on Xbox and PC. So as someone that already has a PC, they're not enticing me to get an Xbox One whatsoever.
2: Mm-hmm. I think what's going to happen is the lines between PC and Xbox are going to dissolve over the next couple of months, maybe the next couple of years. And uh, Xbox will just be your baseline to get into gaming. And then you could either somehow maybe in the future upgrade to a PC or you know build your own Xbox. I don't know. But that's a whole, whole new thing.
3: But, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's the route they should go as well. Because for me, the Xbox... Even, like, during the Xbox 360 generation, they started slipping a bit. It's like, they've lost their way. They, they're they maybe not entirely sure what they should actually do. Yeah, because so,
2: apart from Gears of War, Wars on Halo, there's not too many exclusives that are just uh, amazing for them. Right. I and mean, that's our opinion, those but... Yeah. Yeah, Gears of War is end- kind
1: of done. Even though, there's a... Gears of War 4 coming out, but it's not the same.
3: Yeah. Like, it just sucks for them that they basically ended their most... Like, their big selling series right before the Xbox One came out. Halo and Gears, like, their stories ended, even though Halo 4 came out. It's just so... It's different, because it's not with Bungie, I guess. It felt like the story was over, but...
2: A lot of the employees carried over and left Bungie, but still the heart of it was in in, uh, Bungie for sure.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Maybe we're just holding on to fond memories of what we used to play, but those franchises don't really do it for me anymore. I've I've moved on. Uh, I think that's going to cover most of the news that's happened this month. There may have been a couple of smaller things we missed, so if that is the case, feel free to Let us know, like, tweet at us or let us know on Facebook of anything we may have missed. And maybe we'll go back and cover it. Maybe not. We'll see. So I think with that, we're going to go ahead and move on to game discussions and kind of just what we've been playing in general. Uh, This should be be fun. So I think we're going to just start off with a game that all three of us have been playing quite a bit in the past month or so, the, uh, the game being Black Desert Online. I know you, know I were the one that was really excited about this game and you kind of brought it to us and were introducing us to the game. Like, for someone that does not know anything about this game, what is it and why should they consider playing it?
2: Okay, so came across it by sheer luck. I kind of was in a rut where I didn't really have a game to play. I was just kind of looking out there, see what I was out there. Um, but the best way I can describe it is if you're a good old fan of RuneScape, it's basically RuneScape reimagined in like a huge 3d sandbox world where economy and farming up items is just as important as the combat system. And on top of that, there's a great storyline, which most MMO RPGs aren't really known for having a really deep storyline. But if you're into those, um, it does have a compelling storyline that carries you through not only how to play the game, but how to do well in it. Um, There's great multiplayer. It has a uh, community-driven marketplace, so that means items that are obtained can be sold to other players through a market. It's controlled a little bit, so it doesn't get crazy, and real-world trading takes over. But if you're looking for a game that kind of has a little bit of everything in it, as far as RPGs go, I think Black Desert is kind of where you're looking
1: yeah, um when I started playing it, I the first thing that really stuck out to me was how awesome the combat system was. It's not too much different than other MMO combat systems, but it's definitely very actiony, not just, oh, there's an enemy, I'm going to click on the enemy and then sit here and just keep casting the spells at him while I stand still. You actually have to like move around, dodge, roll, kind of stuff like that, and it feels very feels like a kind of combat system you'd find in a single-player game almost, but it's in an MMO. Right.
2: It's very, uh, like, a hybrid between, like, Silvery and Skyrim almost.
1: Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting it. But the biggest draw for me after that was the whole, like, you were breaking down the whole economy system of the game, how literally you could play hundreds of hours of this game without actually fighting anything. You could just spend fishing or crafting or running trade routes, uh, like doing missions like that for your guild, and just like basically kind of engrossing yourself in the world by becoming a member of society and contributing to that.
2: Um, Yeah, Uh, so basically you can pick a profession. Uh, There's several professions, and you can level up that skill that's uh, tied to that. So there's you can gather, you can be a cook, you can be a trader, you can be a breeder, you can be a uh, trainer, you can train the animals you're breeding, you can hunt, um, and then also there's the basic level, your overall level where you can go out and farm mobs and, and uh, other creatures and do quests to get more experience for that. But it it really is a game to where, uh, I mean, play it sorry. play it to where you want it to.
3: So. That I liked Black Desert. I thought it was really cool, um an awesome concept. Uh I just for people who do not have much time, like they have time to play video games but they don't have massive amounts to put into it or or time to wait for things to happen. Um, it's a little bit harder to get into. Like fish like if you if your profession is fishing, you have to wait like I don't know, it's like a minute, and 30 seconds, maybe two minutes in between each fish you catch. Um, you can AFK fish, and you can AFK do a couple of things, like trading. You can set a route and just go to there. Um, but it's it's really time-consuming, and um, that's the only thing that got me there. And I, I, like I, I don't know, I guess I'm more of an action A D D type person where if I don't have too much action going on at that point I need I needed more, I guess. I mean that's why I've loved Ruinscape, but it's a. Uh, I I also got I was like getting bored when I <laughs> would literally fish or cut down trees As or you've grown do something. Older, like we that.
1: don't quite have the patience we once did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, one of the most appealing things for for me for this game was the fact that unlike a lot of MMOs that just try to copy World of Warcraft with the whole yeah, get into the game and then give us a 10 or $15 subscription fee every month to keep your service going. This game is a buy once, play forever kind of deal. Very similar to the way Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2 were operating. I think the baseline for the game you can get in for $30 or you could buy a more Advanced version of it, which gives you access to like a pet and a couple other character enhancements for 50. Is that right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like
2: that. Um, and then, as far as like if you're worried about pay to win kind of things like that, there's very small, small portions of the game that are pay to win where you can buy extra inventory slots or you can buy, um, you know, character skill resets and things of those. Nature. Other than that, most of the stuff you'll find are cosmetics, um, so it doesn't affect gameplay too much.
0: Right.
1: I know yeah. pets
2: um, offer small advantage where they'll collect things for you, but other than that, there's not too much you can. I mean, pay you your that's you could way. just
1: go and collect things yourself anyway. It may take all right. a little bit longer, but it's all it's all a matter of reference. Um, I, when I was playing, I never felt like I was too burdened with the lack of inventory space from not having bought any like maybe maybe just a little bit because i was fishing a lot so i'd have to go back every once in a while to empty my inventory but again that's just kind of a convenience thing so it doesn't really affect your ability to play the game whatsoever right uh was there anything else you wanted to talk about for black desert i mean it's Uh a massive game and we did we didn't make it that far we were only what, in the 20s or so, level-wise?
2: Yeah, the, the farthest I got was 30 to one of my characters, and it took several days, yeah, so, maybe a week or so to get there. So, so, like,
1: you and I both put at least two days' worth of actual playtime into it, and we, yeah. we never got anywhere close to the late-game content of, like, raiding right, and or it's, fighting Dun- it's and Dungeons. It's still a developing game, too. Right, yeah. So. It only just recently got its English port Because before that, it was a Korean
2: exclusive, or I think. Yeah, yeah, there's a Russian and a Korean version of it, too. So, like,
1: those versions are a little bit more developed, and they're just now starting to kind of bring over some of the features from those versions into the English version. So uh, we can't really comment on what it's like at the higher levels, like how developed the dungeons are, how developed the raids are. Is there enough there to keep you preoccupied, even if you're already at the highest level? that's to be seen we can't comment on too much of that but just the from my perspective the general leveling the first part of the game was enjoyable enough to where I actually want to go back and continue it on more which is a rare thing for me I usually can never stick, I can usually never like find myself engaged in an MMO for that long
3: yeah Okay. did you uh, guys talk about the character creation at all
1: no, we, we didn't really mention that too much. It's, I don't want to go too far into it, but the basic gist of it is it's the most in-depth character creation I've seen in a game ever. And ever. And it, it really, uh, to drive that point home, let's just say that they released the character creation as its own standalone thing. You can download the character creation separately before you even play the game. Because yeah, so you will, it's you'll be spending a lot of time with that.
2: It's really only understandable if you go and mess around it with yourself. So it's a lot to and take you, in. You can do that for free, right? Yeah, it's free. It's a free tool on their website.
1: Okay. Um, another game that we, at least me and Michael, were playing a little bit was Arc Survival Evolved. That uh, <laughs> it's a it's interesting. It's interesting. It's very incomplete. I'll just say that, but. It needs work, but
0: it's yeah. The basic gist. The basic, like
1: gist, say, the basic gist of it is, it's a like an open world survival game. It's a multiplayer game where uh, you can get on a server with like forty people or so, and basically you're just like on this island and you're running around collecting materials, crafting tools, all while trying to survive being killed by dinosaurs and other players.
3: <laughs> dinosaurs and other weird creatures. Other weird creatures,
1: but yeah, like uh, when I was going through it, I remember there were moments where you'd spawn and then all of a sudden you're being attacked by a giant crocodile or <laughs> a boa constrictor... A titan boa. A titan boa, those things are nasty.
3: You get, like, spawn-killed a lot. But when you don't, <laughs> it's... The single... the Well, I, I say single-player because it's, like... It's not... uh, It's still multiplayer. Like, you, you're surviving in a server. But there's also... Uh, a multiplayer version of it which comes with like i think you buy them both at the same time
1: you can download the um, the actual multi the competitive multiplayer version of it for free now on steam
3: oh really yeah well the the multiplayer is uh what it, what's it called for sure do you know the uh name? survival of the fittest yeah Arch, so it's survival like the a c- it's like hunger games literally yeah um Based 40, off pe-
1: that. 40 people get put into arena and the objective is literally just be the last man standing while you're on this island trying to craft weapons and tame dinosaurs to fight for you and stuff. It's pretty neat. But, uh, like I like I said, the game is very incomplete and it does not run very well at all. Uh-uh. Um, but, yeah, like if this interests you whatsoever, uh, definitely consider checking out a little bit more because I know... You can get it on a PC for like $15, $20 or so. There's the free uh, Survivor of the Fittest mode for PC. Or you can get the complete package on Xbox One. So you can download that and give it a try for yourself.
3: And I heard the Xbox version is a lot better in terms of running. It'll run a lot better. Yeah, somehow
1: the, the, right the Xbox One version is almost better than the PC version. I don't know how that happens. Except maybe for the fact that uh, the Xbox One hardware doesn't change, so take that how you will.
3: Yeah, doesn't change person to person. Um, um another game that me and Kyle have been playing yes was uh, Warhammer and Times Vermintide, or just in short, you can, in short, you can call it Vermintide. Mm-hmm. Which it's it's basically if you've ever heard or played um, Left 4 Dead it's like that, as in surviving an apocalypse of sorts and Left 4 Dead, it's zombies, but in this, it's a Vermintide where, um, instead of zombies, you're killing rat people, um, and it's in the Warhammer, like, universe.
1: The, the fantasy Warhammer universe, not the 40k Space Marines section of it? Yeah. For those that are wondering. It,
3: um, and it's a, instead of, uh, well, they're are guns and, um, crossbows and bows, but it's a mostly melee, um, basically version of Left 4 Dead. So, you're fighting these rat creatures with swords and hammers and axes and, um, maces and stuff and shields, while you can also, there are, um, certain characters that have pistols and rifles, and, of course, there's, um, one An elf with a bow.
1: One character is a, a magic user. She has a, a pyromancy staff, so she casts, like, fireballs and stuff like that. So there's another option there. There's that a
0: too.
1: five characters in total, so if there's a particular playstyle you like, one of the characters sh- should have it. There shouldn't be a problem with that. But the whole game is up to four-player co-op, just like Left 4 Dead was. Um, I feel like this game is isn't quite appreciated as much as it should be, considering how people love Left 4 Dead. But when this one came out, people weren't really talking about it much.
3: Um, Yeah. There was a little hype, but not too much. There was a little
1: bit of hype, but I think the problem is, uh, as far as I know, it's only available on PC. Which, if you're playing a PC, the Left 4 Dead community is still live and kicking, and there's a whole bunch of mods for that to keep it alive. But Vermintide is a very good option, too, if you want something a little bit different, but still love the idea of Left 4 Dead. I uh, don't really know what else to say, but they've been supporting it for the past couple months release. I think there's already been two DLC packages that come out, but it's very affordable DLC. It's not the expensive kind. Mm-hmm. One was completely free. And I think that was a, a loot update. It gave you more items that you could unlock at the end of the levels. I forgot to mention that at the end of the levels, you unlock new swords, new guns and stuff by rolling the random dice. Based on how we did in the level, you'll get more dice. So, there's this sense of progression that your characters will accomplish that was not there in Left 4 Dead. Left 4 Dead, Mm -hmm. every time you went through a level, it was, for the most part, the same weapons and same... It was samey, but for this, there's, like, new weapons you get at the end of every level.
3: Yeah. There was no ranking up in Left 4 Dead.
1: So, like, eventually, if you play this game enough, the harder difficulties will become more easy just by nature of having better equipment to tackle the the tougher difficulty
0: mm-hmm. yeah so yeah.
1: if you like the survive the co-op survival left for dead type games definitely give vermintide a look i don't think you'll be too disappointed with it i i haven't played it as much as i'd like to but i'm definitely looking forward to going back and checking it out some more especially with the the dlc that's continuing to come up for for a very low price like i said the first one was free and they the account of a second one which is a whole new level and I think it was only like two dollars, or something really low like that. So that's definitely something it's very easy to digest. Um, have either have either of you been playing much League of Legends as of late?
3: Um, I haven't touched it in a while. I think I probably play it the most of us. Because I know a new,
1: a new patch came out for it, but I don't know what's been going on. I think on they're on
2: 6.6 now or something. 6.6. 6. The new champ, Ariella, is out now. Oh, he is? Yeah. Didn't know he that. He just got released a couple days ago, I believe. Yeah. Other than that, I haven't really been that much into it. I don't know. It tends to upset me more than normal when I play it. There's lots
3: of raging. Um, League is uh, a game that's definitely like, you. you it can be very fun with, and play with a lot of people, but it can also be very infuriating if you try to play it by yourself and you just keep getting people who don't listen.
1: Yeah, League, um, League's one of those games where I'll play it if I have nothing else to play, but if there's other things that interest me and I try to play League, I just end up getting really frustrated by it and I question my sanity or why I even continue to play this, but there okay. there are definitely it's moments where it's a lot of fun and it is free to play to a degree. I mean, I like I know the league players like to the uh, joke and say that the fact that a game's free to play is the biggest lie you can ever tell someone. <laughs> <laughs> you probably <laughs> not you because, need
3: a little uh, bit too much not because that. you
1: have to, but because you're gonna want to
3: you need the skins you you need um, them I mean... Toys.
1: I have a Timo-only account, and I had to buy the really expensive like $15 Timo skin for it because it was awesome. I'm part of the yeah. problem.
3: I've put way too much... We've all put way too much money into League, considering <laughs> it's a free game. <laughs> um, I think that uh, it, it needs a lot of improvement. Uh, it, there's a lot of things that needs to be fixed, but it is, like you, Kyle said earlier, it's the biggest game in the world right now. So, there's definitely gotta be reasons for that.
1: It's fun. It's had a lot of problems with the development side of things. Uh, People like to joke about the spaghetti code as it is. You fix one thing and then three other things break, and then Mm -hmm. it's a process to get that fixed for Riot. But, I think for the most part, considering where they started, they've done a very amazing job with League of Legends, and just how far it's actually come. It's now gotten to the point where it's actually, I think it's the Biggest esport in the world at the moment. So if you're into the competitive nature of video games, the League of Legends esports is probably something you've kept an eye on at some point.
3: Yeah, and I think of I it. Mean, we'll be talking more and more about esports as the tournaments and stuff yeah, start to happen.
2: Getting ready for the spring split uh, playoffs, aren't they? Yeah, I the uh, they for the LCS, weekend.
1: the North American and Europe playoffs are going on like this week or next week or something like that. I can't Sometimes. remember.
3: I love watching it. I think that esports is growing and it's awesome that i f- we can all feel connected to like um, to each other now that like we all can watch people who are really good at the games we play and be like, "Hey, I play that game too." That's awesome that there's people that are like famous for that. And uh, it's like it's it's literally like watching football or baseball or something on TV, and it's I just think that it's awesome that it's growing to be that big.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I honestly, can say I think I'm starting to enjoy watching it more than playing it. So
0: <laughs> Same
1: here. the league esports scene is just full of a lot of really entertaining personalities from the players and the casters that I've been. Finding myself drawn to that aspect rather than the whole, oh yeah, I play this game, that's fun part of it. Now, League is just kind of the back jet for me to enjoy the personalities of the people that play it itself.
3: Yeah. Right. It, it's it's fun to watch people stream it and stuff.
1: I mean, I love watching uh, Sneaky stream. He's, he has the best <laughs> games. All those puns. Um,. Another game that's very similar to League of Legends, uh, we mentioned it earlier, it just hit beta, which is uh, Paragon, it's developed by Epic Games, who have been known for their uh, Gears of War franchise. Uh, Noah, you were the one that kind of started talking about this the other day about how neat it is. Uh, do you want to go into detail a bit about what makes Paragon special compared to other games?
2: Yeah, so like if you look at it from the outside, you'd be like, "Oh, it's just a League clone or a Dota clone, or like kind of someone trying to take Overwatch and make it better or something like that." But down down to it, it's kind of Arena style um, third person shooter. Um, it kind of takes similar characteristics with the individual characters having their own kind of lore and abilities to them. Um, the, the gameplay itself is played very similarly to League as far as how lanes and minions and jungling works. Um, the part where that really interested me is that the way the map works is it's not just a flat plane. It's got different tiers. So there's like the farthest lane on the left is the lowest tier. And then it kind of gradually go inclines across the map where there's ups and downs and uh, uh, kind of makes it a little bit more interesting than playing um,
1: Just a flat map. A,
0: yeah. A
2: flat map. And along with that, um, people it kind of is similar a little bit to Smite as well, but um, they kind of took took that idea and they didn't lock you to that horizontal plane that they do um, in games like that where it's a, you have free aim of your auto-attacks, so it kind of takes a little bit more skill to where um, it's not just about timing, you have to actually aim them now. Um, so it kind of makes it a little bit more interesting for those people who are into those arena third-person shooters that kind of like a little bit more uh, mechanical play. It uh, has team play, objective-based Gameplay, And uh, I know Epic said that they're adding a new uh, hero champion uh, every three weeks. So if you want a, a consistency on as far as adding to the game, they have made statements towards that. Right.
1: I had originally just completely written this game off as one of those, oh, they're just trying to copy what Overwatch is doing. But when I actually got in and started playing it, I was very surprised to see that it it really does stand out enough from overwatch or other MOBAs like league of legends itself that i could definitely see myself going back and playing this more in the future i've only put just a couple of games into it. i've only played like two or three characters and i really want to go back and play more of it as the beta continues and uh do you know what their plan for release is like is it going to be a paid game or is it going to be free to play do you have any idea
2: Um, I haven't looked into it that much, but I know right now it's behind a paywall, um, cheapest being $20. uh, Gives you three characters and then access to the game in the beta right now. Um, I'm assuming, since there is a paywall right now, that it will be a buy-and-play game and not a Mm free-to-play. Don't quote me on that. Um, I just got into it. um, As far as I know, you can buy a package where it gives you all the planned... Champions to be released, so if you're into that, and, uh, you can't buy all
1: of them. It's going to be on PC and PS4, correct?
2: Right. It's one of those combo deals where it's it's also crossplay, so PS4 players will be playing PC players.
1: So nice. That's awesome to hear. Um, yeah, those are those are kind of a few games that we've all been playing together, but some of us tend to branch out and play stuff on our own. Uh, no, I I know that. You've been playing a bit of Black Ops 3 Zombies, is that correct?
2: Yeah, um, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of all close to all of our our hearts. Black Ops Zombies has been around, not just Black Ops Zombies, but Call of Duty, you know, and uh, Treyarch Zombies have kind of been around there. Um, or is it Infinity Ward? No, I think it's uh, Treyarch. Treyarch, isn't it? Trey, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, correcting myself again. Um, but... I've been impressed, um, because for a while I thought they were going to kind of sink that series after it did so well, after World at War. And I kind of turned a blind eye to Call of Duty for a while after they started reproducing the same thing over and over again. Um, um, Black Ops 3 in general is a very good game. I think it was enough to get me back into the series, just enough to buy it and play it. Um, But specifically, the zombies um, is kind of a combination of what they learned from all the zombies they've done in the past couple of games, and they've kind of combined it into one, where not only is it pleasing aesthetically, but it also has a storyline that's easy to pick up and get into within just one map. It doesn't have to be continued from all the other games. They can start a story and end it in the same game, and it's fulfilling.
1: Man, uh, I remember just a couple of years ago, back when Black Ops 1 was like the newest Call of Duty, and they are releasing all the new DLC for that, I got so involved just trying to follow what was happening with the hidden story around the zombies and what was like what was actually happening on each map that was not specifically being told. Like the whole story of zombies is separate from everything else that's going on in Call of Duty universe and you have to find the story hidden in Easter eggs around the map. The process to do that was just insane. Like I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. So me and a couple of buddies, I think you guys who wouldn't even help out sometimes, we would go and spend, like, literally hours on one single game session just trying to figure out what's going on with the Easter eggs and, like, what's going on with the story and all that. That, to me, was so special that I've become a fan of, of the Treyarch Zombies for life, just about. Yeah. Uh, some people would say I'm a fanboy of it now, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm proud to say that. I've gotten to the point where even... If I hate Call of Duty for what it's become, just the same thing over and over again, I will probably always buy the tray at Call of Duties.
2: Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I was kind of excited for a moment because I noticed they released the multiplayer as a standalone on Steam for like fifteen dollars, and I was just waiting and uh, waiting to see if they were going to release zombies. And I was like, Ugh. I mean, it could still happen. You never know. But right, I was just waiting for it.
1: They they could have been great. Could have been great, but they didn't quite do that. <laughs> Yeah.
2: um yeah. I was gonna talk talk about another uh, there's one other game I kind of casually been playing over a couple days and it's kind of uh, not it's more of a casual game right. but it's a little bit more of the aggressive casual games it's uh, from uh, the creators of clash of clans it's called Clash Royale it's uh, same universe as clash of clans is in um, it's mm-hmm. a little bit different um, basically the way it works is... It's a real-time, like, um, I don't want to say RTS because it's not really RTS. Um, Basically, um, it's like a tower attack kind of game where you send units at another player's towers, and they send units back to counter those, and whoever can take out more towers in the set of time wins. Um, But the interesting thing about this game is that the units aren't just, like, the set units that you unlock and are, like, you know, games through... uh, leveling up or anything like that. It's, like, the card similar to Hearthstone, where each card kind of has, like, unique abilities and uh, uh, its own kind of set of rules for it. So it's it's the strategy of the game is you have a set number of cards you can have um, in a deck. And so you, like, build a deck to combat other people in this game, live people. So it's not like you just have a deck that the computer plays for you while you're not there. You battle someone... um, in a live setting so like they're clicking on their phone while you're clicking on your phone and you're actually sending units at each other live interesting Um, so like there's this passively generated currency um, called elixir so you have to balance the strengths of your decks off this elixir that you're generating so like you might have a high elixir cost and your units might hit heavy but you can only send out two at a time where you're getting bombarded by all these small little one one cost cards so you know kind of puts a little bit more strategy and thought process into a casual mobile game than you think uh, someone could put out on a market and be as popular as it is.
1: Yeah, I know that Clash of Clans is absolutely enormous. And the fact that now yeah. they're kind of doing what we were talking about earlier with like Riot and Blizzard, just expanding what they, they've already established is impressive that... When did this come out? Like, two weeks ago or something like that?
2: It's uh, very recent. Um I I didn't follow it up to release. One of my friends just kept on bothering me. He's like, hey, get on this, join my clan, blah, blah, blah. He just kept pressuring me. I was like, oh, it's just going to be another, like, you know, in-game payment farm game where you just have to, like, wait 10 hours for something to happen. But no, it's all... You do have to wait for chests to open sometimes to get your new cards and to upgrade units. But uh, for the most part, most of it's live action. And it kind of keeps you a little bit more interested than the normal uh, the, uh, microtransaction games are. So.
1: Right. I'm sitting here watching a video of it right now. I'm just kind of like really engrossed in what I'm seeing because it's so colorful. And the, the action is so back and forth. It's I could see this really becoming a popular thing amongst people for, to watch and to play. It's um, uh, is it it's available on iPhones and Android devices, both of them, or is it just one or the other?
2: It's uh both of them,
1: both uh, of them. Yeah. All right, so if you're interested in checking out Clash Royale, you can go download it now. Apparently. Um. Noah, I know that you need to be leaving soon, so if you need to go ahead and do that, feel free.
2: All right. Um. Had a great time you guys, uh, everybody listening out there uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to me and these guys I know they're going to hear talk about some more of their um, games that they've been playing over the past couple weeks um, what they've been enjoying um, I know we said this is a monthly monthly podcast so hopefully you guys stick around and enjoyed what you hear we will we'll see, you guys see. Later.
1: Yep. thank you for coming on thank you man. guys yep. see ya Um, Now, as far as other games go, Michael, you've been playing quite a few large single-player games yourself.
3: Yes, very, very time-consuming games. Uh, Do you want to talk about Far Cry Primal right now? Yes, I can. Um, Far Cry Primal is... like I love the concept of a game that you know is way back in the stone ages before um before, like back when there were still cavemen which there are in the game and the fact that the people who make far cry made it made it a, made it better for me because i love their games even though they ha- even if they have their flaws they're still good games and this game is definitely one of their best games um sure, just the different types of animals they've put into it and the fact that you can ride certain animals you can tame um, all but all but a few of the animals that are actually in the game Um, the story in this game is very Far Cry like which if you've played Far Cry you know what I mean Um, (laughs) it's very uh, doesn't change the Far
0: Cry
1: formula too much
3: yeah, it's you meet you start out and then you meet like one main character at the beginning, and then they send you out to do missions for the rest of the game, as you're fighting one or two very big like guys that you want revenge from, basically.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, um, um, go
1: ahead. So, a big component of the game is the fact that you're you're a beast team or a beast master, of some sort. Uh, yeah. what, what kind of animals are there available that you can tame? And, like, do they have special abilities that differ from the other animals much? Um, Let's see. There are... Because I know there's, like, the owl that will that can be used to scout areas yeah. in front of you. Then, then there's also a, a saber tooth tiger. Is that is, uh, that's used for, like, stealth kills and stuff? Like, you can tell them to go ahead and stealthily kill enemies before you get there?
3: Well, there's... The owl... Is not something you really tame, but you get him through a mission, okay. and yeah, it's it's basically like, um. You, yes, you can use them to fly over an area and look down and like spot enemies, and he has abilities to where it can drop, um, grenades and stuff like that. Like, there's not grenades in the game, but they're called. Uh,
1: there's like beehives I, you can drop. And
3: yeah, break. they're, they're be they're like bee bombs where you can drop and beehives will uh, will explode and. The bees will kill enemies within an area. And then... Um, he can also kill... One person... I like... they really like the lowest level... Like just like... Basic fighters of an enemy... And they can kill them... And then there's a cooldown for that... And... He, uh, you don't have to tame them... And then... But... You do tame like... Basically all the other predators... You can tame... Um, like... Bears... And wolves... And tigers... Sabertooth Tigers, and, uh... There thing little dog-like things called doles. Um... And... Badgers, I think. I think that covers them all. And there's, then, there's like, there's just... Yeah. There's just a different... Like, different... I don't know about species, but... I guess species would be the right word. Um, so, like, there's a white wolf, and then there's a striped wolf, and there's a normal wolf. Um... And then there's a, a cave bear versus a brown bear. And the cave bear is, like, a lot bigger. And <laughs> it's all black. Um, you can ride the brown bear. But you can't ride the cave bear. You can ride the saber tooth tiger. And I haven't beaten the game. So I haven't gotten to the point where there are three legendary creature, legendary ones. And there's a legendary wolf, a legendary bear, and a legendary saber tooth tiger. Um... For the stealth thing you were talking about, they there are um, certain creatures that are better at stealth. The best at stealth is, I think, <laughs> the black jaguar. That would I make think? sense. Yeah. Yeah, and it it will like when you go in sneak mode, it will go down in sneak mode too. And with any care, any creature you have, you can send them like you just zoom in and you click. Uh, it's RB on my Xbox controller to. Uh, go attack that person or that animal. Um, and any creature can do that. If you are in stealth, uh, they will try to stealthily do that. It doesn't always work, but that's just because <laughs> stealth doesn't always work.
1: That, that's right. So, yeah, it seems like for uh, to me this is more the far cry that some people may love or hate. Like The impression I've gotten from this, I haven't played it myself, but the impression I'm getting is that if you like Far Cry, this is more Far Cry to like with a cool setting. If you don't like Far Cry, you may not like this game necessarily. Yeah.
3: Um like all the whole it, it you can tell that it was basically taken from from Far Cry 4 and made into this game. Um all the weapons handle the same mm-hmm. and the healing systems and everything. It is a lot. It is definitely a Far Cry game. And I think that <laughs> it's different, and I like that Far Cry did this. I heard it was going to be one of their little spoofs, like the uh, the one they had in Far Cry 3, the Blood Dragon. Um, but I'm glad that they actually took this serious and made it into a very serious game, and not like something that was supposed to be just be funny. Because this game is... It's really fun. Um, I'm about, I think, halfway through it. Um, And I love it so far. I wish I had more time to play it, but I also have so many other games to play. (laughs) No kidding.
1: You've been playing a lot of these massive games lately. If you want to go a little bit more in-depth about some of those. Uh, Like, I know just today you were playing Fallout 4 a little bit.
3: Yeah. Um, Oh just to finish off Far Cry, they, it does run well on the computer. It does. That's it, I can get it... Yeah, as to other Ubisoft games. it I can run it at 60 frames a second on pretty decent graphics. I think, I think I'm on high or ultra, I don't remember. But it runs steady at 60 frames per second um, about 95% of the time. I've had a couple times where I need to restart something, but That's a it's a lot better than other... Ubisoft games.
1: Yeah, because I know Ubisoft, as far as PC releases go, they're very hit or miss. And the fact that Far Cry Primal, for the most part, was a hit, uh, that's reassuring. If not, you could always just get it on Xbox One or PlayStation 4. So, options are good. Options are good.
3: Yeah, I have... I've been playing Fallout 4 um, for a long time. Well, not since it came out. I think I finished my computer about a month after it came out.
1: I thought I played a lot of Fallout 4, but you've just been
3: crazy with me. <laughs> um, I mean, people laugh because I haven't beaten the game yet. I'm still on my first playthrough. I'm level 50, and I haven't done like many things that, like in the main story at all. I'm getting to that eventually i just the way i play these games i am very like ocd about getting all the side missions done and doing and collecting all the things <laughs> um right yeah so when i play these games i do end up normally getting super leveled before playing <laughs> the main story which you know it's you were telling not too me bad. something
1: like you're like about 100 hours in and you're not even halfway done with the main story yet? Because you've just been doing random side stuff the entire time?
3: Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, let's see. I'm 142 hours in. Oh, God. I mean, I think... part of that is probably you walking
1: away from the computer for a while, but still. That's, yeah, that's it's it's
3: probably more around 100 hours into the game. But, yeah, I uh, I have not done very much with the main story. I'm going to, don't worry. I am going to do the main story, but the thing is, I've seen them all. Um, I'm very bad at that, to where if I really want to play a game, I'll watch a Twitch streamer or someone else play it.
1: You ended up watching me a lot.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I watched you play, and it was uh, it was bad because I saw like all the main story. <laughs> you saw me do like I all was... four endings of the game. <laughs> I've seen three of them. I think there's four. I'm not sure, uh,
1: but you, you still need to do the the minutemen ending, right?
3: Yes, I, that's the one I need to do. Not many people know I, what
1: you can do with that.
3: Yeah, it's. I think it's harder to get the dialogue out of it. Like, harder to find it. I don't really know if there's a waypoint for it. I'm not yeah, sure. Definitely. But I just got the DLC today. Um,
1: the uh, Automatron DLC.
3: Yes. Uh, so I have not played much. I only played, like. I don't know, like half hour before we started this podcast. (laughs) Um, I like it so far. I think the idea of creating your own robots is awesome, and the customization is is really cool. Um, They, I don't know for sure how much else they added other than you know the the story that goes with it, and then the robots you can make. I know they added some new armor, the robot armor. I don't know if they added any new guns. I'm not sure about that. Um,
1: I haven't had and... a chance to look at the, the new DLC for it much myself, but I definitely do intend to pick it up and play through it again sometimes because I'm an absolute huge fan of the Fallout series. And Some people didn't really like 4 that much, but I still found a lot of enjoyment out of it, and it's probably one of my favorite games of the last year or so.
3: Definitely. I... I... I like Fallout 4, I don't really care that the graphics aren't the greatest, because that wasn't what I was looking for, I guess. Like, if you if you are looking for a graphics-intense game, Fallout 4 is probably not your best bet. Even though its graphics are really good, and better than the last couple of games. Man, they're like, not, they're not at, the greatest.
1: Looking back at Fallout 3, like it was a good game, but when you look at yeah. the game, you, you think you're just staring at a pile of shit or something. You can't yeah. really tell what you're looking at. It, it's. I mean, I hate the knock on graphics. So some of the best games I've ever played are not visually impressive whatsoever. But mm-hmm. still, it's hard to look at it sometimes.
3: Yeah, if you want a graphics intense game, get Witcher Three. Speaking Witcher of which. Three, <laughs> yeah, Witcher Three is like one of the most beautiful games I have ever seen.
1: Man. Um, I absolutely adore The Witcher Three. Like, even though we don't have, we didn't have a medium to like declare what we think is our own game of the year before, I would say The Witcher Three is my game of the year of 2015. Hmm. Um. I. What, I what just, have you been doing in it lately? Because I know you're still trying to get
3: through the main story for the most part. Oh, um, I am. Uh, really close. I'm close to the end. I know for sure. We we won't um,
1: talk about spoilers because if you haven't played this game yet, you should probably make some time to do that.
3: Yeah, and story is important. So. It, it
1: it is actually a good story in an open world game. Who who would have guessed?
3: Yeah. Um. It's. I mean, this game is massive. Like, just so much area to cover. Um. I ended up putting
1: com- like. 65 hours into it back when I first played through it and that that 65 hour mark was me stopping doing any side quests halfway through the game. I ended up missing half the side quests in the, in the game by
2: cuz there were just but...
1: so much stuff in this game it's insane. And like the fact the important thing is like, these side quests are not just like random side quests in Fallout for example where it's like yeah, we need you to go to this place and kill some stuff and then yeah. bring it back. No, these side quests actually have fully developed stories with characters and character arcs that you like get introduced to. Like these side missions could almost be the main stories of other games. They're so good. Yeah,
3: definitely. And I didn't mean to laugh, but I, no, I don't when, you said, when you when you <laughs> when you said your uh your play like your time in the game, I looked up mine. And it says I have 135 hours in the game, <laughs> and I haven't beaten the game yet. So oh, I, that again, that is not all playtime. It's probably about 100 hours of playtime, but still, Man. haven't beaten the game yet. And they said when this game came out, there is probably at least 300 hours of gameplay in it. So
1: Mo- no, most time at- when developers say that, I'm like, oh, they're just like they're fluffing. No, CD Projekt Red was like. Pretty accurate when they said that this time around.
3: Yes, they are. I have not gotten any of the DLC yet. I have I plan on eventually. I hear that the the
1: first pack was actually really good, and there's still another one coming. I believe CG Project Red said that like the two DLC packs together is about the size and about the time to complete as The Witcher Two itself. Like <laughs> the fact that the both DLCs together are the size of the entire Witcher game just blows my mind that they put that much time to create such a high-quality product. Yeah. But yeah, um, I, the story-wise, Witcher 3, Witcher 3 is just fantastic, but like combat-wise, it's still not bad either. It's pretty good.
3: It's Yeah, it's the Witcher combat from every other game, basically. I, I
0: wouldn't um, say that necessarily. It's
3: a bit better. Hmm. It's a bit better in this one. But it's it's still like it's a unique system that's only in the Witcher games, I think.
1: The combat kind of reminds me of Dark Souls, but it's a lighter version of it. Where you kind of yeah. move around in a three D environment and you can lock on to single targets, but for the most part, you're like rolling around and dodging attacks and then moving in when you have an opportunity. Yeah, um,
3: I I could see how that it's like Dark Souls definitely. It's, it's a lighter just, version of it. <laughs> Dark Souls is. It's own, its own, like, it's its own thing. Definitely. It's its own thing, yeah,
1: for sure. <laughs> we'll be uh, talking a lot more about Dark Souls in a little bit. But uh, I, it's, before we move on, I want to say that one of my favorite parts of The Witcher 3 was the whole Witcher sense thing that had, was going on. The mm-hmm. fact that there were parts of the game were actually very focused on detective work. Even though it's like medieval times, there was this detective work you could do by using your Witcher senses. And then you'd use it to like track blood sense the aura of certain items around you to figure out what was going on. I thought that was all really well done. Like some people said, maybe it got a little repetitive because it was overused at times, but for me, it never really was a distraction. It it didn't feel like it was too disjointed. It felt like it was all natural and flowed well for me.
3: I, I agree. When um, the, uh, like you said, uh, it's a lot of the the side missions, especially are a lot of detective work, hunting down beasts and doing your actual Witcher job. Yeah, because um, uh,
1: there was one kind of side mission in the game called Witcher Contracts. And basically the way those are done is you are assigned a mission to go kill a certain monster that's been terrorized in a village. And the first thing you do isn't to go find the monster and kill it. The first thing you do is do research and figure out what the monster is weak to so that you can go fight it after that. You have to like yeah. do your witcher job, which is being a monster hunter, by figuring out more information on the monster you're gonna go hunt, rather than just charging blindly and risk getting killed by it.
3: And they they emphasize that um a lot in the game to where you need to figure out what this monster is so you can prepare for it because monster battles are not easy. And early in the game, you can very easily be killed by a monster that you don't know how to fight or something. You don't have a specific oil to like do more damage or to protect yourself from them. So I like the way that's done. And this game can be for casual players. Um, yeah, but I, it's I wouldn't more... say it's
1: hard or anything. It, it feels like it has a good balance to it.
3: Yeah, it's, it's more for the people... Um, who, who want to put a lot of time into an RPG.
1: Yep. Um, uh, I believe you recently finished Mad Max. Is that right?
3: Yes, I finished it about a couple weeks ago.
1: How was that? I, um, I never got around the plane. To, but I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how that game was. Because it kind of just came out of nowhere. Like People are like, oh, it's it's a Mad Max game. It's based off of the movie that came out a while ago. Like No one cares. But then yeah. it turns out, People were really into it, and it was actually pretty good.
3: Well, the thing is, um, it came out like right around the time the new Mad Max movie was coming out. But it's not and based off were... of
1: that movie. It's based off of the like, original Mad Maxes.
3: Yeah, it's based off the ba- the Mad Max universe, basically. Um, which, is, which is why I was hesitant to get it, because I'm like, I don't know. If this is based off a movie, it's probably not that good. But I got it, and... I, I I loved it because one lots of free roaming, and two the graphics for it were so good. It's up there with The Witcher, um, when it comes to graphics.
1: Yeah, this game is really uh, pretty. I mean, granted, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of scenery that they need to invest resources into creating because it's all desert, just flat mostly. desert. Yeah, but like sometimes when you do get up close into like these little. Outposts full of junk that are just kind of thrown together. It does look really good still, and the fire yeah, effects are pretty good too.
3: It's really, um, honestly, underappreciated. The uh, combat system is—I uh, don't know which game to use to describe it like. Batman Arkham. I'd say yeah. the the fight The fighting's like a Batman game, um, and. Uh, the free running and stuff like that is like a Lara Croft game. The one of the recent ones, the Tomb oh, yeah, Raider. Tomb Raiders, yeah. Yeah. Um, and driving in it, the driving and the customization of your car are pretty unique um, to its to its own game. Although, you know, it's there's not much, there's not too much that you can be unique about when it comes to customizing a car because you can't be too ridiculous and a lot of games are already have their own customization of cars and stuff. Um, the, it's very, uh, I don't know, uh, true to the story of Mad Max. And I thought that was really cool. It made me want to go watch more of the Mad Max movies. Cause I've only seen like two of them, the most recent one and a different one. Um, And if you are a big fan of the Mad Max universe, I definitely recommend it. The cars and the battling of cars is a lot like the movies. Um, The story in it is actually really good and pretty progressive. Um, And he acts just like Max would in one of the movies, Mm -hmm. where he's very set on he wants to be by himself. And he doesn't want to rely on other people, but he's also helping people as he goes.
1: No, uh, I noticed in this uh video I'm showing right here that there's like a there's a, like a companion that you have in the back of your car. Like what does he do for you?
3: His name is uh Oh crap, it's been two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so long. Um <laughs> Uh Chumbucket. Chumbucket, nice. Yeah. Um and he is a Blackfinger and that means that he knows how to fix cars, basically. And he can do it um Basically without any extra materials. All he needs is, are his tools. And he sits in the back of your car. Um, in this game. And he fires your harpoon. He fires your rockets basically. They're sort of rockets. Um, and. And he fixes your car. Whenever uh, you break down. Um, and he plays a pretty big part. In the story. Because he gets you your car. And he can help you fix it and he's one of the other voices in the story because there's not very many of those. Mm-hmm. Um because as you know in in the uh in the Mad Max movies there's not many people that um talk including Max himself. He, they do talk, but it's more of the driving and action that drive the story. Um and I don't know, Chumbucket Chumbucket's story is pretty sad. Uh there is a uh, Gas City. If you've seen the movies, you've probably heard of Gas City. Is in the game and that's pretty cool.
1: You get to go there? Yes, you do. Oh, that's awesome.
3: You don't get to see too much of it? Um the battling of cars in this game is actually a lot of what I pictured. Um except for you use more weapons in this game than you do the like, besides just like, ramming?
1: Like, instead of uh just trying to do raw damage, you're trying to, like, dismantle your enemy's cars with harpoons and pull the tires off and stuff? Is that how it goes?
3: Yeah, you're... If you don't want to deal with someone, yeah, you can basically just try to pull their tires off, or um you can actually pull their door off and then harpoon them out of their vehicle. Um, Or you can straight up shoot their tire off with a shotgun, shoot their gas tank... Ram into them and just destroy their car. Um, What's really cool is you can make your car either really light and fast, or you can make it basically a tank. So you're like uh, driving and
1: uh, can ram through somebody.
3: Nice. Yeah, you are slower. the The physics in it is really good um, when it comes to how how fast and how heavy your car can be. Because if you don't if you don't build very much uh, like tankiness on your car. You, uh, you're a lot faster and you're a lot lighter, but that means you'll get a lot more air on jumps and you'll also um, when there's twisters, because there are storms like there are in the movie um, your car will get picked up a lot more and it's harder for you to pull things with your uh, harpoon if you are also lighter and if you're heavier um, it's harder to like go up hills and go um, drive through sand and the bogs that are in the game
1: Interesting. Well, like that was a game I didn't really pay much attention to when it first came out, but since then I've actually become quite a big fan of the Mad Max movies and just kind of hearing what you've described about the movie, I'm interested in it. Uh I'll probably eventually get around to playing it when it gets a little bit cheaper. I know if you look around, you could probably find it for as low as $20 or less.
3: I think I got it for like 12.
1: I know you got I know you got it for like almost a steal shortly after it came out. I don't know yeah. if that deal still exists, so I'd have to look. But yeah, like it's not too expensive of a game for how much content you actually get in it. So mm-hmm. if you're one of those people that love low, ba- like cheap games for a lot of value out of them, that's probably a good one to consider. Yeah,
3: it's an interesting mix of racing and uh, fighting.
1: Mm-hmm, definitely because
3: there aren't that many games that deal with that anymore like I know Grand Theft Auto sort of because there's a lot of cars in that but it's such a different take on car, a car game it's really cool definitely uh,
1: other games that I've been playing myself uh, I picked up the newest Hitman game and that's a, it's an interesting experience because they've gone a different route with the hitman games this time around they're making it more episodic in a sense like they're releasing the game in smaller chunks so that you can enjoy each individual chunk to a degree like for example they released the hitman intro bundle or intro pack or something i think it was called which gives you access to the first three like the first three missions of the game, or like two of them are tutorial levels, so you actually get, like one main mission and then two tutorial yeah. missions and all for all for fifteen dollars but i th- I think they're planning on adding another mission to that bundle sometime soon, and then you'll be able to purchase the rest of it all for like forty five or fifty dollars the season pass kind of thing, so that by the end of it it's all like a big six hour game, but they're releasing like the first chunk of it for fifteen dollars so that if you're Unfamiliar with Hitman games, you can kind of just jump in and get kind of get used to it, or see what else is different with this one compared to others. And for for those that have never played a Hitman game before, like basic principle is you're put into like an, an area, an open arena, sort of with a very simple mission. Usually, is just kill this person, but it's usually not that simple. You have to find ways to get to them, either because they're being protected by bodyguards or VIPs. And mm-hmm. so like in this mission I'm doing here, for example, I had to sneak aboard a, a yacht, a private yacht and get access to this guy who's like developing a weapon system, but he's like hiding up on the upper deck. So the only way to get up to the upper deck is to find the costume of a, of the ship captain and then take his mm-hmm. clothes, hide him in a, hide him in a trash bin and then sneak up the stairs, disguised as the captain of the ship. Something like that. Like, hard to describe, but uh basically, a lot of the game is all about going in and then intentionally failing the level, but gaining the enough gaining enough information from walking around and listening to people to be able to go back in and complete the mission again. Yeah. Like, if you're into the using a bit of strategy, combined of stealth, Hitman's a really good series for you. Like, because I love going in and if I have to, I could use force, like shoot them up my guns or whatever, but generally the best and most satisfying way to get through the game is just to find the costumes you need, sneak in, take them out and then get out unnoticed. It doesn't necessarily always happen that way, but yeah. The, the problem I had with this Hitman was the fact that I'm not a big fan of the whole, we're just going to release it in small chunks aspect of it. Like, If I wanted to keep playing... I would have the option to, but right now, I bought the intro pack for $15, and then I played through the first mission or so, and I'm like, yeah, I played through the Hitman game. Now, I don't know if I want to go back and play any more of it. Maybe maybe more people feel different than I did, but for now, I've kind of uh, hit enough. Not that it was bad, but uh, if you wanted a more complete Hitman experience, I'd probably recommend just picking up an older copy of Hitman Blood Money, which... You can get that on Steam for like five dollars nowadays, or get it for Xbox 360 or something like that. I don't know, but like this new one isn't bad, it definitely feels very reminiscent of the older Hitmans, and it's a step in the right direction compared to Absolution, which they try to make that a more story focused Hitman game. But when they did that, it lost a lot of its heart and soul. It wasn't as much a stealth game as it was just a linear story progression through. Cool action sequences. So I'm I'm glad they went in the right direction with that. Um like I said, it's still very incomplete because there's literally only like one or two missions in the game. So until there's more, I maybe wouldn't recommend picking it up. Unless you're big in the Hitman, then maybe give it a try. I do believe on PC Xbox One and PS4. Pretty sure
3: it's on all those systems. I'm not sure. Not sure, um, I have not looked too much into the uh, Hitman games. I I like the movie movies. I've I've not seen very many of them, but I thought it'd be an interesting concept to uh, see in a game. The way they do it can be iffy because assassin assassination games are hard to do as right. we've seen it's with many so, it's games. It's so easy to just be
1: like, you know what, screw this, pulling out my gun and just shooting everybody. It's so easy. Basically.
3: It, there's got to be, sometimes, depending on the game, there's got to be more consequences for not using stealth. Um, I don't like it when, you know, some games are be like, as soon as you're detected, you lose. It's because not like that. that's, yeah.
1: And it's like, these Assassin's Creed games usually are like... Oh no, you alerted the guards. Now here's 10 minutes of agonizing pain while you try to find a place to hide but they keep finding you some. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I feel like this uh, same with Assassin's Creed. They they they've been bouncing around to different ways of using stealth and they haven't found their perfect thing yet. Um but stealth games for me have always been hit or miss basically.
1: Thankfully, even even at a low Hitman, it's been pretty solid for me. I'll probably continue to go back and enjoy it from time to time. Like I said, if you're interested in trying it out, I'd probably recommend trying Hitman Blood Money, which is an older game. Uh, Probably the most balanced, best stealth of all the Hitman games, so that's where I'd start. But the 2016 version isn't bad. Definitely not bad. I think once they get a bit more content into it, it'll be worth the price right now, it's kind of just a, a paid demo. That's unfortunate. Um, one thing I do want to mention is I have a I have a bit of a guilty pleasure when it comes to gaming. That being my love for the, what I call, uh, life sim games. The lighter ones, like yeah. Harvest Moon and Animal Crossing. You know what I'm talking about?
3: Oh, I loved Animal Crossing.
1: Right. So... <laughs> A game came out at the end of February. It was developed by a single guy called Stardew Valley. Now this game, I had no expectations going into it, but I was super blown away by just how well this guy was able to create a like Harvest Moon clone all by himself. cuz like it has all the things you would expect from a Harvest Moon life sim game where You basically live your day-to-day life by trying to make a living by either farming or fishing, gathering things around what you find, or Mm -hmm. just like whatever you can find. Like the the basic drive is to continue making a living while also developing relationships with people that live in the city with you. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing that was really special for me about the Stardew Valley was it went a little bit above what Harvest Moon was able to do. And it added, it actually added a combat system to the game and this whole other part of the game that was devoted to mining and fighting monsters in a dungeon, which which it sounds so out of place, but it fits perfectly into the world of Stardew Valley and it has these adorable, like pixel kind of graphics. They're not like eight bit or 16 bit, but they're like pixelated. Yeah. Honestly, like, if I were to describe this game in another way, I'd say it's, you take Harvest Moon, but then you add Terraria to it, and you combine the two. Or or Minecraft, if you don't know what Terraria is. It's like a combination of Harvest Moon and Minecraft, sort of.
3: Yeah, I can see that. I, I'm watching a video right now, and I'd never heard of it before, but this game looks definitely, um, for people who Don't know what Terraria is. Minecraft is definitely a good comparison um, with the whole. Basically, you're farming and making everything yourself, and cutting down trees, and you can craft the land to yourself what you want.
1: Right, but like this game, it's out, but there's still more to come. The guy developing it said that he has plans to add a co-op mode. Mm -hmm. Now he hasn't. I don't think he specified exactly what that's going to mean because depending on what that actually does this game could just become even more amazing or it could just be a a cool feature because like i'm hoping the co-op mode he adds is like both of you live on the farm and both of you can like go around the town and do your own thing and you have different relationship statuses with each person like that just sounds so cool to me that i've never been able to replicate with these life sim games like uh, carvers or animal crossing I've always wanted to do that in Animal Crossing, for example, is just have two people who live in the same town playing at the same time, mm-hmm. because you've never been able to do that before, as far as I know. Maybe there's maybe there's a mod somewhere, but I've never seen it.
3: It's, that would be really cool, and like basically like an MMO, but with only a couple people.
1: Maybe I mean I think worst case scenario, the co-op mode that that's gonna that's gonna come is gonna be. Straight up Terraria, where both of you are like digging down in a dungeon, fighting monsters, which is fine because that's still like a major draw to what people love in Terraria, which is the whole cool combat system with crafting elements. But uh, honestly, for people that liked Harvest Moon or Animal Crossing, but are just looking for something a little bit newer, because I know those franchises have not been as well received as late, give Stardew Valley a look. It's only $15 on Steam. I, d- I don't think there's a console version, but the graphics of the game are as such where it's not demanding whatsoever. You could probably run it on any old laptop. It's just all pixel graphic for the most part, so it's easy to run. And you will get lost in this game so easily. Just <laughs> the, the concept of the care on the sick is absolutely real with this. You will start the game, and you will receive a quest where it's like, all right, go meet the townsfolk. Okay, let's go meet the townsfolk. And then they're like, hey, uh, you're that new farmer guy. Could you go get this for me? Okay, let's go get this stuff for her. And then you just keep building on and on and on and on and on and on. And, on. and before you know it, you're like a year into the game. And you've done all this stuff. And you're like, oh, man, I've done all this stuff. But I I've neglected to find a wife. I'm going to go <laughs> find a waifu and make her mine. <laughs> so you would just do all sorts of stuff like that. Um, just a little footage of the mining aspect in the combat right there. Uh, like, that stuff's not bad either. I've only gotten about 60 floors down into the dungeon. And I think it goes as deep as 100. Now, I don't know if this is true or not. This is just what I've, I read online. But apparently, like, down at the very bottom depths of the last 10 levels or so, you fight big mobs like dragons and stuff. I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't seen any footage. This is what people have been saying. So I can't verify if it's right, if it's true or not. But that's true. I know I'm saying that a lot, but... That'd, that'd be really cool, because then there's actually a whole... It actually gives you incentive to go craft advanced recipes like armor and stuff. I've been neglecting yeah. that for the most part, because all I've been fighting have been, like, bad since slimes, And it's slowly getting harder, but... Literally, if you're into games where you can just log in... Play for like 15 minutes. Feel like you've done something. You've accomplished something. And then get off. This game will just keep you hooked for a long time.
3: Sounds <sighs> sounds like something I could get into with my time. Minutes. I think so, yeah.
1: Like the, the way they break it down where a day cycle is literally like 10 to 15 minutes. Kind of depending on what you do. It's so easy oh. just to get in there. Do one day get some stuff done, and then move on to go do something else is
3: so satisfying to me. I've always loved those mining um, mining games where you're down in Dungeon and fighting stuff.
1: You probably like this game, though. Uh, definitely give it a look at some time when you're not playing Rocket League. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, I'll, I'll try to find the time.
1: There's always time to farm, Michael. Always. Um, another game that I've been playing quite a bit, mostly on stream though, is a little game called Bloodborne. I'm sure you've probably heard of it. I know you're a big fan of it, even though I've never played it.
3: I've never heard of what... What are you talking... No, I'm kidding. I've <laughs> seen all of Bloodborne.
1: You've seen more twice. Bloodborne without having to actually play seen... it. I've <laughs>
3: I've seen so many people play it. Full playthroughs, I have watched Epic Name Bro on YouTube. I've watched his full playthrough, except for the DLC. And then I've also seen uh, Game Grumps, Aaron and Dan, play all of it, including the DLC. So I have seen everything, basically, there is in Bloodborne, besides the Chalice Dungeons, which, for some reason, neither of those two guys wanted to play through
1: those are optional for the most part yeah i need to go do some research to see if there's actually unique box bosses in the higher level child engines or if they're just repeats of older ones that would be the motivation that if i want to go and do those or not um yeah for for those that are not quite aware of what bloodborne is uh it's a imagine dark souls which is a really hard action rpg which it's unique. You like I can't. It's hard to describe. You just have to like check it out sometime. But you take the concept of Dark Souls and then you put it a little bit more into a modern times. It's like a 1500s Victorian era, but everything is like corrupt. Everything is falling prey to uh, like the forces of like blood worshippers and whatnot. Like it's a dark, it's a dark story, but everything just has reeks of uh, what's the word? Like reeks of atmosphere. And you look around, and there's just like these massive castles and these monsters everywhere. you got to figure the out what's moon. going on.
3: The moon and the sky in this play such a big role.
1: Right? How does that even happen? It's crazy. I've only gotten maybe a little past the halfway mark of this game, but honestly, this game is just incredible. The amount of detail they put in items. Like, most of the story of the game is not straight up told to you, but it's all an optional dialogue from characters you have to go find or item descriptions that you can read.
3: Yeah. I like the way they do the story in this, because if you're all about the action and not as much about the RPG version of it, you don't have to know any of the story, it, It's basically. fine, because the action... All you have to do is fight monsters. The and action and
1: which. combat of the Dark Souls and Bloodborne games are probably the best in the entire game industry. Like, nothing... Compares okay. to the combat of these games.
3: Besides Witcher.
1: Wait, uh, lightly, lightly.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just If you don't want the story, you don't have to have the story in this game. Which is cool. But if you do, the story is really in-depth. But you have to put effort into it. You have to talk to all the characters. You have to read the item descriptions. Basically, you have to read in between the lines a little bit. To figure out the story. And that's why... It's this, and other Dark Souls games are a huge topic of people who look into the lore on YouTube, and come up with their own theories because there's not a one. There's not just one theory that fits. There's a couple, and people have to make up their own ideas into why this is happening. And from soft or from software, the people who make it, um, they're a Japanese company, and they're very. Um, the They're big into the fact that the story is like really, really in depth and going. Yeah, not
1: just that, dude. It's not just that, but like considering that they're a Japanese company, you can kind of get a sense of uh, the influences they get from Japanese mythology in some situations. Like Mm -hmm. a, it's like their own little twist on maybe Western mythology at times, especially with Dark Souls. Because typically, that sort of fantasy is more associated with Western cultures than Eastern cultures.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I haven't completed the game yet, so I don't want to really talk about what happens later on, except stuff gets crazy and is not. No, that's okay. (laughs) But like things, things are really not quite what they appear. Like even though right now I'm uh, I'm showing the footage of the first boss, you're like, "Oh, that's pretty crazy," but like. Things get even crazier and more messed up later into the game you get. And it's quite an yeah. experience, I really do have to say. I've I've really been enjoying my time streaming the game. Um uh, looking forward to hopefully finishing it the next week or so. I don't wanna wait too long because I know Dark Souls three is gonna be dropping mid April sometime. I wanna be ready yeah. for that.
3: They these games are just so unique and From Software does such a great job at what they do. Um and I think that there's just like so much potential um from these games uh to become like I-, I wish they were more popular, even though they are pretty popular now. I just wish that like they got more support so that we could get more and more of them um over here in the States. I think the problem
1: I, is the Dark Souls and Bloodborne have this, like, so stigmata <laughs> about, about being really hard, which yeah. to a degree is true. Like, But the the thing I absolutely want to stress about them is they're hard, but fair. You will never die <laughs> for reasons that were out of your hand. Well, I, I say never, but very rarely will you die for reasons <laughs> out of your hand.
3: Like It's, yeah... There are some occasional one-shots, and you're like, whoa, what the hell? But right, like, I, I agree, yeah. For the most part, but, the games are beatable
1: without having leveled up once. It is doable.
3: Incredibly difficult, it's, but it's doable. And people do it a lot.
1: I've, um, I've seen people do it, and I'm just like, these guys are crazy. I could never do it. The, they're gods among men
3: there it's yes it takes a, it takes a lot of skill for this game but there is a learning curve meaning that you can learn it and it's not incredibly hard it may take a lot of time but you just need to learn a lot of timing a lot of um, when it comes to dark souls games how to block when to block or when to roll and when not to roll and it's a, it takes it, i just like it cuz it's one of the f- like Action games it takes so much skill to play. And I I'm not saying I'm that great at it, but you're amazing. It's just so much fun.
1: <laughs> That's the thing, like they these games do not hold your hands whatsoever. They don't nope. ca- they like they don't care if you're like walking around and get lost. Like I just say, don't be afraid to look at a walkthrough of the game because there's a lot of information that is purposely not told to you. Because you're supposed to. Have, like, You're almost supposed to stumble upon it randomly. Some important yeah. information. Or like where you're supposed to go next. like Some basic things that probably should have been stated. Or have a better hint at what you're supposed to do. Are just not told to you. Yes, so don't, there, don't be afraid.
3: Yeah. You're just going to have to accept. When you're playing these games. You have to accept that. There are people who know more about this game than you, and there are people who can do this better than you, so you're going to have to look for help because it's going to happen. You're going to die to a boss. You're not going to know how to beat him. You're not going to know where to go next, or you're going to like totally miss an item that you're going to need eventually, and you're going to have to go back and search for it. It really helps to have... There are a lot of guys on YouTube or girls that know what they're doing And they know where to find stuff, and it's a lot. It's really helpful. And you're like, you don't have to watch their entire thing, but you're like, oh, that's where I need to go. Okay, stop the video. Go there and you by yourself. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, That sense of being lost and not knowing what to do actually helps play into like the story and the lore of what's going on. You're you're supposed to feel like a person that's totally lost and has no idea what to do. Like, that's just what the entire game is set up to feel like. And that sense of overcoming that sense, that sensation, and just, like, overcoming the challenges that are in front of you feels so good.
3: So, so good. Yeah. Beating beating bosses in Dark Souls games is, like, an amazing feeling. I did it! Especially if it took you, like, 20 deaths to beat.
2: Only 20? happens.
3: <laughs> well, times, like, four. But that's... Another there, there are some bosses story. that will kick your butt pretty hard. Yeah, There's and would be. A break. I mean, especially if you try to do something you're not prepared for, or yeah, you're gonna need a farm. You're gonna you're gonna need to go back and get some more souls and Unless you're playing level up a too, bit and deal with it. <laughs> yeah, then you're just gonna have to. You can only farm ten times, and then you're screwed.
1: <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um. Well then. Yeah. Go ahead.
3: Oh, I was gonna say you can use, uh, you can make it like, um, uh, the bonfire plus one and farm again. It's just gonna be harder. You gotta work for your farm. Basically.
1: <laughs> so I think that's a, gonna about wrap up with the games we've been playing as of late. Uh, There's there was a couple of releases that happened. We didn't get to play, but we're still gonna just mention them briefly so you're aware that they exist. Uh kind of running down the list of games that came out in March. We had the PC version of Far Cry Primal come out on March 3rd. The Xbox One and PlayStation 4 versions came out earlier on February 23rd. Uh, I think our game of the month would be Black Desert Online. That came out for international release on March 3rd on PC. Definitely consider just giving that a try. I think that was the best thing we've played so far this month. Uh, On March 4th, the HD version of The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess came out for Wii U. I haven't played that since the Wii version a couple years ago, but if it's just that with a HD remake or HD touch up, then that should be great in my opinion. One of my favorite Zelda games. Definitely stands up right up there with, uh, I think, uh, Wind Waker, Majora's Mask and stuff like that. Uh, then on March 8th, we had The the Division come out on Xbox One, PS4, and PC. The thing about The Division I don't quite understand is why it's as popular as it is. For me, when I played through the beta, it wasn't something that, to- that really caught my attention. It, felt like a pretty generic shooter with generic enemies and forgetful story. Uh, do you have like, any insight on why maybe it's as popular as it is? Because I, I don't really understand the hype for it.
3: My theory for it is that it's, it's like a, the multiplayer, the, um, sorry, what was it called again in there? The Dark Zone? Yeah, the Dark Zone in The Division is what is so popular. The, the story is a lot like you know any other first-person, well, third-person shooter type thing, but the Dark Zone is what is grabbing so much attention from all the um, Xbox One and PS4 players um, because they haven't really seen much of that. It's the same thing with Destiny, and that's why these two games are so popular right now. It's the farming and the online concept of it with other people. That is grabbing so much attention. We've sat, we've seen it and we've had it to where, on PC with the multiple zombie games like DayZ and H One Z One, where if you're out surviving with other people, and someone kills you, um, then he becomes a bandit or rogue or whatever, and you need to go and like people are sent to go kill him, and that concept of camaraderie between people in a multiplayer setting is what's grabbing so much attention on Xbox One and PS4. And I just think that like like I said they haven't seen it before and that's why it's so interesting and I personally thought that it was pretty cool when it um since it's a, for a third-person shooter and we haven't seen too much of that with that setting yet even though it's like Destiny it's still it's different.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um like I said, when I was playing through the beta a little bit, I, I did most of the stuff that was in the beta, but I didn't really mess around with the Dark Zone too much. So maybe that's something I'm going to have to check out again in the future. Uh, perhaps we can get it and play through and co-op. But that would probably be better than just single player.
3: Yeah, I think if you have a group of people that are playing it, it's going to be a lot more fun, which goes for a lot of games, except for single-player ones, but I think that is true.
1: That is so true. If you
3: have a group of people playing this game with you, it's probably going to be a lot more fun. Just like with um, Destiny, I didn't have a lot of people to play with. That's why I basically ended it once I beat the main mission, the main story, and I didn't play through much of the multiplayer that literally happens every day and so much farming and you get new equipment, and that's the same thing with... uh, with the division, you get better guns and new better equipment. If you're in the dark zone and you're killing more mobs and people,
1: right? Yep.
3: So that's, that's you just need peep more friends, I guess, to play it with.
1: We need more friends. You heard it here first.
3: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. That's why I don't play them. I don't have any friends. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs>
1: we can be lonely together. Um. Then on March eighth. We had the intro pack for Hitman come out on Xbox One, PS4, and PC. Already kind of gave me a little impression of that. It's, it's okay if you're into Hitman. Not bad. You'll probably enjoy it. Um, here's an interesting game that came out. On March 15th for the PlayStation 4, we had a little game called Salt and Sanctuary come out. Now, have you heard, back in the Xbox 360, do you remember a game called I Made a Game of Zombies in it? Yes. All right, so those guys are now making a two D Dark Souls mix of Castlevania game for
3: PlayStation. And if they can make it, I mean, their like their game. It sounds like it'd be a
1: really good idea, and from what I've seen, it definitely is. I haven't had the chance to play through it yet. I've been a little busy with like Bloodborne and stuff, but. Uh, I do believe that this summer there's going to be a version of it for PC and PlayStation Vita. I don't know about any other platform, but there's more versions of it coming out. So I'll probably get around to checking it out then. But literally, it takes a lot of the concepts, like the combat system for Dark Souls and Bloodborne, and puts it in a 2D space somehow, and it works. It just works. I don't know how it does, but watching videos, I'm like, wow, this looks really good float smooth, the animations are good, the dark the art style is good as well. Like this kind of just came out of nowhere and surprised me a bit. I I don't want to say too much because I haven't had the chance to play through it myself, but
3: Yeah. Enjoy. Maybe next month we can maybe
1: like look more we, into it. We've uh we've already talked about a lot of games this month, so we we don't have time yeah. to play through everything unfortunately. We're not that big of a we give a group yet. But yeah, if you're into like Castlevania games or Dark Souls games, this is kind of like a cross between the two. And it's well made. I've heard nothing like good things about it. So definitely look forward to that because I think you can pick it up on PlayStation for like $18 or something like that. So it's very affordable, easy to get into.
3: To me it looks like um like, the bosses definitely seem like a a Dark Souls game. Yep. Like, they're they're a lot bigger than you, and they do a lot of damage, and they take (laughs) up a lot of room, but they, uh... Yeah, it looks... It looks really cool, and um... Yeah, I'd never heard about it before uh, you mentioned to me a couple days ago. So it didn't get much hype.
1: It didn't get that much hype, and that's the thing, like, these smaller developed games like Salt and Sanctuary or Stardew Valley, fantastic games, but they don't get quite the publicity that they should just cause they're not games being made by the AAA studios like Activision or EA or Ubisoft. Yeah, like it's kind of a shame that that happens, but sometimes you got to look a little bit more for these gems in the rough. So yeah, we're we're just here to kind of help these little guys out get a little bit more notice. Maybe you will discover your new favorite game somehow. Who knows? Um, other releases this month include the long-awaited Poke tournament for Wii U, which is, as you could guess, it's literally a Pokemon game built on the Tekken idea. It, or I guess to put it the other way. It's a Tekken game with a Pokemon skin. So you... If you know what Tekken is, it's like, like that 2D fighter game, but you play as different characters all have different abilities. Maybe yeah. very maybe very similar to Street Fighter or more combat in that sense. But it's all Pokemon. It's, it's not Pokemon Stadium. It's its own thing. It's a 2D fighter game where you can play as a luchador Pikachu for some reason. But, it, come on, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> like, I... I'm always down for seeing more Pokemon just kind of beat the shit out of each other. Well, I guess, no, it's, more, it's actually more 3D. Like, I didn't realize Tekken was like 3D ish, not 2D ish. So that's my bet for saying that. But it's very similar. If you're into fighting games and have a Wii U, then you're either already playing this or you're busy playing Super Smash Bros. So maybe consider giving that a look. I don't know. You do what you want to do uh next on the release schedule was for fallout 4 automatron dlc march 22nd for Xbox one ps4 and pc we talked a lot about that a little bit we can't really give our in-depth look at it yet or maybe we won't we, we don't know definitely a lot of uh possibilities of that dlc in terms of what it will offer Fallout four players
3: it's fun so far
1: fun so far all right yes positive look at it then um, another interesting thing that I heard was that a, like the, not really a remake, like the Bully, Rockstar's Bully and Manhunt are going to be released on the PlayStation Network on March 22nd, they've already come out. So if you haven't had a chance to play through either of those classics, you can now do that on PlayStation 4. I know that you in particular are a fan of Bully, right?
3: Yeah, I've played through, I haven't beaten it. Because I used to have it for the Wii, and I think we got rid of our Wii before I could beat it. That's a long story um but <laughs> I recently also got it on steam um and I like it I, it's a pretty cool concept uh it's uh it it's a it, i don't know it's hard to describe you're playing as a bully in like a middle schoolish i think it, um and you're only like, 14, 13, 12, 13, 12 or thirteen years old, or something like that. And you uh, literally have a story to go through. To you're sent to a private school, and you have to like go to classes and go through a main story of um, uh, with the other boys at the school. Um, and there are it's it's a mixed gender school, so there's both boys and girls there. Um, and then there's a little town close by and, uh, there's missions to go to in there. And I think you eventually get a bike, I think, to ride in between them, but there's just a lot of like, uh, you can beat up on kids. You can fight with, I think you can fight adult adults eventually. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little, it's a f- funny game, I guess. It came out a while ago though, a long time right. ago. Right.
1: That was like back on the PlayStation 2, I think. In quite a while. Yeah. So if you you missed your chance to play a classic like that now. Um also released in this month is the first of many virtual reality options in the Oculus Rift. I believe it's retailing for $6.99. Is that it? I think so. Something like that. Um, I think the biggest that's game that's gonna be available for it is the E Valkyrie, which is a... Based off, of the, no, based off of the EVE MMO series, where you're like piloting a ship around space with a virtual reality helmet. So I haven't looked at it too much, but that idea sounds really cool to me. Just flying through space in virtual reality, hard to beat that, uh, since neither, no, none of us are going to be getting Oculus Rift. We can't really talk about how good it is or anything for the most part. So we might just have to stay tuned for reviews of that from someone else. Can't really help you there. I think that's going to do it for March. Uh, as far as what we're looking forward to in April, I know some of the big things coming out in April include the release of quantum break, which is a game being maybe by remedy. You may know them pretty well from the Alan Wake series that came out recently. Not recently, a couple of years ago, I thought that was a really good series. So I'm looking forward to this sort of, I don't want to say it's a spiritual successor, but it seems similar enough where you may like enjoy both series. Uh, that's going to be on Xbox One and PC. Uh, the big game I think we're all looking forward to next month is going to be Dark Souls 3. Definitely. Uh, I know there are ways you can get access to it right now, some sort of bypass where you can buy a Japanese version if you have the a Japanese PlayStation account and then download it from there get access to it now. Uh, as for me, I'm going to be waiting till mid-April when the English release comes out. And I'll probably be playing that on stream, so stay tuned for that. I'll be playing that, talking about next episode a lot, I feel like.
3: Yeah, I'll definitely be getting it, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: if you're a fan of the Wretched and Clank series, the newest version of that's coming out for PlayStation... I think it's supposed to tie into the Ratchet & Clank movie coming out this summer. I haven't heard too much about it. I've never been a big fan of Ratchet & Clank. so Maybe we'll have to find someone that knows a bit more about it to talk about it when we get to that. We'll see. Uh, Oh, yeah. The newest Star Fox game is going to be coming out for Wii U called Star Fox Zero. I don't have a Wii U, so I won't be able to actually play it. I really I really did enjoy Star Fox 64 back when I was a kid. That was one of my favorite games. And it looks like it's going to be more of the same of that rather than the like 3D action game that uh, Star Fox and the GameCube was. I don't remember what it was called, but this looks like Return to the Form for Star Fox. So if you have a Wii U and like Star Fox, you should be in for a good time. And lastly, again, it's a thing that... We're not gonna be able to afford because it's hella expensive but the uh HTC Vive is another virtual reality helmet option it's gonna be coming out I think near the end of April. People are saying that it's going to be the premium VR helmet or the the one that everyone should to strive to be so i wonder how that's gonna be re I wonder how people are gonna react to that when it comes out looks pretty cool it has uh the, the thing where like you put sensors in the corner of your room and then you get the full access to the room as far as the VR goes. But then other than that, I think that is going to wrap up the first episode of mouse and joystick. It's been quite a ride. We had a lot more to talk about than I was anticipating. I I think we had like two and a half hours or so a lot longer than I was expecting. I think we've like doubled the time we were shooting for. So, yeah, we, we had a lot to talk about. So, hopefully, next episode will be a little bit more streamlined, a bit more trimmed down. We won't ramble as much, maybe. um, If you have feedback you'd like to provide to us, definitely consider tweeting at us uh, on Twitter at MNJ underscore podcast. Or leave us a comment on Facebook. I believe the page is called Mouse and Joystick Podcast. They so can find us at either of those places. And of course, if you like what I'm doing here at the Podcast Empire Network, consider checking out the other podcasts we have on here. We got a new one called uh, Comic Book Show, which is pretty good. Uh, the girls here at Podcast Empire Network were doing that, and I thought that was a good one. And later tonight, well, probably already going to be out by the time you listen to this. I, we're doing a special episode of Shane on Batman, where we do a spoiler review of Batman versus Superman. So if you're into comic book stuff, just consider checking that out. We're going to be diving into all the spoilery goodness that is Batman versus Superman and breaking down that movie, all the controversy side. And then I think we're going to go ahead and sign off here. Michael, thank you for coming on. Kind of helped me host this. Noah's not here, but we appreciate his presence as
3: well. Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, like I said, it was a lot longer than I was expecting it to be. So next time, <laughs> hopefully, we, uh, we streamline it a bit, make it a better experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can definitely check out this and future episodes at Podcast Empire Network or on my YouTube channel, Looting Kyle, where I will have a visual version of this where we will actually include like gameplay footage of what we are actually talking about at the time to kind of give you a better idea since we're not necessarily the most descriptive of people.
3: I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: I will describe that later. Anyways, (laughs) Uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off here. So enjoy the little outro we have. And I hope you guys tune in for the next episode. Have a good one.
3: Yeah. See you guys next month. Wake me.